Friday, August the 14th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Gotta give a little shout out at the beginning of the show to my Nana. It's her, her birthday on August the 14th. So, happy birthday, Nana. Okay, this is... I'm like sweating from that NBA game right now. Damian Lillard and the Blazers. I mean, Lillard is carrying them. We'll break it down a little bit in a minute. They've gotten pretty fortunate in some of these games, and they've gotten a little lucky, which, hey, you know what? Sometimes you need luck, but when you have someone like Lillard who's carrying you, they very easily could have gotten eliminated. They very easily could have lost any of their last few games, which means they wouldn't be in the spot they're in. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA and what's been going on there. A little NCAA news. um, Baseball. We'll check in who's hot, who's not. We have an interview with Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles, and we go through really all sports. We talk a little bit about the NHL bubble, talk a little bit about NBA, a little bit about the Dodgers and baseball, what's been going on with the Astros, a little horse racing, and then we talk a little Sarah Candles. We have some Friday Saratoga racing for you, some Friday Del Mar racing. We're going to do a Friday Stable Duel Del Mar lineup, Saturday Saratoga. We talked the late pick five with Scott Shapiro. Woodbine, we got some Woodbine. There's a big weekend up at Woodbine. Emily Gullickson joins us. We go through all of the stakes races for the Saturday Woodbine card. And then we're going to talk Del Mar Saturday. I just have one play. Since we're going to focus on Woodbine and, and Saratoga for Saturday, I, I honestly, I would have, if I liked five, I would have given out five. I just couldn't find many of Del Mar that I left for Saturday. We'll just give you one and we'll close out. With the Derby field What does it look like? Ryan Dickey joins us We talk all about the Derby news Who's planning on running Who's not planning on running What does the field look like? What are the point standings? We go through every single horse That is a prospective horse To run in the Kentucky Derby On that first Saturday in September Yeah, first Saturday in September That sounds a a little bit weird Doesn't it? Well, I mean I, I was talking about this right away When we got started What we just saw If you were watching the uh, the NBA um, bubble game between Portland Trailblazers and the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, this was incredible, just back and forth and back and forth. Brooklyn, I, I got a lot of respect for Brooklyn, you know, fighting and not laying down here with the Blazers and and Lilliard, what he's been doing. So Lilliard had forty, what forty two points in this game. He was eight for fourteen from three and eight for nine from the free throw line. He had twelve assists. He hit some unbelievable threes. He's incredible. I love Lilliard. I just they gave up 133 points to a, the Brooklyn Nets team in regulation. They're playing no defense. Look at some of the games that Portland has won in the last few. They beat a Sixers team that was badly injured and depleted. They beat a Nuggets team that was sitting a lot of their major players. And so they've had things go very well for them whereas I think a team like Memphis, if you look at what's happened to them, they've had an injury. They've played teams it seems like, you know, they played Toronto and then the next game the following day, Toronto decided to sit their starters So they've just been a little bit unlucky Whereas Portland, being carried by Damian Lillard They're healthier now This is a better Portland team than they've been all year But they've still crept in That's a, It's a little scary And it's a little disappointing for a team like the Phoenix Suns Who were undefeated in the bubble I, To me, I felt like they were playing the best basketball I think they were playing better than Portland And Booker was, was playing incredible I would have loved to see them have an opportunity to either play Portland or even get a first round series against the Lakers and you know I I think Lilliard is a scary opponent for the Lakers Booker would have been a very scary opponent too I just watched so many of these games and if Portland would have beat everybody by 20 I would have agreed and said wow yeah they they crushed but they crept in 
in so many tonight. If if Levert goes to the rack and hits that bucket, they lose. So I, I think what's what's going to end up happening now with um with with Portland, they are in. They're the number eight. They are the number eight seed. They are in the play-in. So what does that mean? There's a game on Saturday. It is the play-in game set for Saturday for the number eight spot. It's going to be Portland versus Memphis. Memphis has to beat Portland Saturday and Sunday in order to get into the playoffs. Portland only has to win one of those two games. The way that Damian Lillard is playing, you know, that that that's going to be tough for Memphis to beat them back to back games. But keep in mind, the Blazers, like I said, they barely got by a Sixers team missing their some of their big stars. They barely got by. They did not get by a Clippers team that sat Kawhi and Paul George and and Lou and Morris all down the stretch. So they're fun to watch. I think a lot of the reason why they're fun is because they don't play a whole ton of defense. They just go back and forth. And it is for for whoever's playing a Portland Trailblazers team, it's scary because when someone can go off for fifty or sixty any night. And he can shoot from anywhere. It's it's hard to defend Lilliard. And let's say this: because Lilliard's carried them, this is not a just Lilliard team. They are now back healthier. Nurkic is back. McCollum can jump up and have an, an incredible game. There's still a little juice left in Carmelo Anthony's legs. Whiteside's been good off the bench, and Trent has been incredible. He's just been a revelation in the bubble. So they're they're a solid squad. I just don't. If they play the Lakers, we've already heard a lot of chatter about team uh, pundits and analysts picking the Blazers, and I think for that reason, because they're going to be kind of a trendy pick, I, I'm pretty sure the Lakers are probably hearing all of this, and people are going to judge the Lakers off of their record in the bubble. When remember, that was one of the benefits of of being a good regular season team. Was you could get here, you could experiment a little bit. You didn't really have to push yourself to win all of these games, and they were able to get the rotation going. It's going to be a little different without Bradley, without Rondo, who are playing minutes. Even though I think you know maybe without Rondo, it actually may be a blessing in disguise for them. So, Portland, Memphis, the winner of that is going to be playing the Lakers. And folks, we have the NBA playoffs starting on Monday, so the schedule now is out. The the playoff schedule So starting on Monday We're going to have four games And every schedule, every playoff series Is going to be every other day And there are going to be four games per day Pretty basic Starting Monday, 1.30 Eastern time So we'll get On Monday, right off the bat Denver, Utah 1.30 Eastern We're going to get at 4 o'clock Eastern time Brooklyn, Toronto 6.30 Eastern Time, Boston, Philly And 9 Eastern, Clippers, Dallas And when you move over to Tuesday It'll be the other four series You'll get Milwaukee, Orlando As the 1.30 Eastern Time game You will get Let's see, we'll get uh, Miami, Indiana as the 4 Eastern game On Tuesday OKC, Houston as the 6.30 Eastern Time game on Tuesday And then it'll be Lakers and Right now it looks like the Blazers Memphis is going to have to beat them a couple times In order to get in So you know looking at the way things stack up It won't be easy for the Lakers The The road that they will need In order to get to the finals Is going to have to go through It looks like Portland And then it will be the winner of OKC Houston Two teams that have played the Lakers really tough all year And then it will 
probably be the Clippers. Now you look at the Clippers road. They play Dallas, who is is good. It feels like Luka will probably need a year to go through some growing pains in the playoffs. But then whoever if the Clippers win that first round series, the three six teams in the West, they don't scare me. Denver doesn't feel like a title team to me. Maybe with the addition of Michael Porter Jr. that gives them an added X factor. And Utah is a team that that both those teams don't match up very well with the Lakers. The Lakers match up very well with Utah and Denver. Jokic and Gobert don't match up well with with Anthony Davis. I think he takes it a little personally that they're considered, you know, very good big men, especially Gobert with his defensive prowess and his reputation and he kind of goes at him. Whereas, you know, a team like Oklahoma City, they're kind of playing with house money. I think they probably feel like they got nothing to lose here. And Houston, if they were to match up with the Lakers team, they could go small if Westbrook's healthy and playing and Harden they're just a weird team. They could they could get very streaky and beat anyone. And remember, this year, we have no proven teams. None of these teams are proven title teams together. Toronto's your returning champ. They're good. They're going to be a hard out, but will they be as good without the closer, Kawhi? Kawhi and the Clippers are going to be very good. They're going to be a tough out, but are they going to be able to have the chemistry and, and jumble everything together for a team that has been missing some pieces and, and kind of had to um, speed up the process of getting everybody together. It, you know, the Lakers. LeBron's a proven winner, but this group isn't proven together. That, that's what makes this playoff season so fun in the NBA. We don't have... The Warriors, the Spurs teams that were really good The Heat teams that were really good LeBron's Cav teams that you kind of knew were always going to be there These are a bunch of new groups of teams We haven't seen the Lakers and Clippers as, as top tier seeded teams in a while With these groups ever Milwaukee and Toronto You know Toronto will try to do it again without Kawhi Milwaukee will try to do it for the first time They have to prove is no matter how good their regular season was Can they get through the playoffs do they have the type of roster? Is Giannis, does he have enough right now? Can he make the free throws and the threes that they need to win? Man, I am pumped. This last few games in the bubble, watching the Blazers like fend off elimination over and over and over again. Ugh. So I'm going to have a full preview on Sunday night. I'm going to do a little different podcast schedule this week. We're going to have an earlier podcast coming out so we can preview all these series. I'm going to do a little research over the next couple days, and then we will know who is going to be in that 1-8 matchup for sure with the Lakers, and we'll go through each of the the series, do some predictions, give, give you some numbers. As the NBA playoffs start on Monday, there's going to be a play-in game on Saturday. Blazers, Memphis Grizzlies, for the right to play the Lakers in round one. And before we, we switch topics, I, I just got to, to read some of these numbers. These were Lilliard's numbers. And and don't, look, I've been sort of complaining about the, the Blazers and how they've had things a little bit easier. It feels like they've gotten some calls that went their way compared to some of the other teams they were battling with. Mainly because I think... Um, I like Lilliard, but I'm, I've been sort of disappointed with their team overall. They've, they've just... Just been able to get by Look at what he's done in his last few games He's my favorite non-Laker player 51.3 points per game He had 154 total points in his last three games He shot 56% from the field He was 46 of 82 
He made 21 three-pointers in those last three games 21 out of 43 48, just under 49% From the free throw line, he missed two He was 41 out of 43, he shot 95.8% He had 27 assists, averaging 9 a game 11 rebounds, averaging three, just over 3.5 a game And he had 5 steals, over 1.5 a game if Levert goes to the rack, Levert was just having his way with Portland in that, that fourth quarter. They're just going back and forth and back and forth. And he, if he goes to the rack, he probably eliminates them. That that is what makes them the scariest to me as a fan of the Lakers. And I look at at Lilliard and I look at Bla- the Blazers. I I don't think the Lakers will be able to. You, you can't really stop him. I don't think they're going to be able to really slow him down a whole ton. But I don't think the Blazers are going to be able to slow down Anthony Davis or LeBron whatsoever And it's just scary when you give a team nine lives they, They've they had four or five opportunities in this bubble Where they very well could have lost and wouldn't be around So that, that's what makes them a really, really scary team here Moving forward Lilliard, absurd Just off the rails with some of those numbers over in the NCAA, it has been a crazy week. So we've heard the Pac-10, they're the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. They're not going to be playing. We heard the ACC, the SEC. They are going to be playing. We were waiting to hear about the Big 12. Their board of directors voted Tuesday night to allow their schools to go ahead with the fall season, and they've released the football schedule. And that schedule is going to begin on September the 26th. They will play 10 game seasons 9 conference games, 1 non-conference game each Red River showdown between Texas and Oklahoma Will be played at the Cotton Bowl on October 10th So The SEC is the only conference That hasn't released their schedule yet Um, Just moving, I'm moving through this CBS News Article by Jordan Freeman And just going through Some of the major points here So the Big East Will not hold a fall 2020 season They've also canceled And the Mid-American Conference Also not a Power 5 They've canceled their season It's on Saturday So we're starting to figure out Conference by conference How everything is going to look Mark Emmert The NCAA president Had some things to say on Thursday There will not be fall NCAA championships Because there are not enough schools Participating due to the pandemic a decision that affects 22 championships Including football The board of directors established that if you don't have half of the schools Playing a sport, you cannot have a legitimate championship We can't in any Division 1 NCAA We can't in any D1 NCAA championship sport Right now, which is everything other than FBS football that goes on in the fall Sadly, tragically, that's going to be the case This fall, full stop So the number of schools Fell below 50% on Wednesday When the Big East announced its fall sports Wouldn't be played So, yeah, this is just it's going to be a different year. Some FCS schools still plan on playing non-conference football games, but an, unlike in the FBS, where the national is champion, where the national champion is determined, determined through the playoff, FCS schools won't have um, the NCAA championship. So this is this is difficult. Emmert said the fall sports, which include soccer, women's volleyball, and field hockey, should still turn to winter and spring to try to create legitimate championships. And we're not, we're talking about much more than football, right? There are a lot of kids, a lot of um, teens, young adults that have trained for many, many years to get to this point. And it is it's sad that this is what has to happen right now. 
it's sad that 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 it's it just that's it's sad, right? That's how 2020 has been. So many people have worked so hard for so many things that unfortunately they weren't able to to do this year as people continue to pass away from this this crazy pandemic. Um, so they're already talking about a bubble next year for some of the championships. He and uh, the president, Mark uh, Emmert, endorsed the idea of potentially using bubbles for NCAA championships, including basketball, in the first half of 2021. And it's perfectly viable in many sports. Starting with 64 teams is tough. 32, okay, maybe that's a manageable number. 16 is certainly manageable. you got to figure out those logistics. To the NCAA's senior vice president of championships, they've been working with committees and conferences to figure out logistics and economics of how it could work. It's obviously expensive to do that. If we need to do a bubble model and that's the only way, then we'll figure that out. So, at least starting to try to look ahead because college basketball, looking at, at what NBA has done, you would think it might be doable, but how do you... There's a bubble situation. What kind of a bubble can you have for student-athletes that need to be going to school or need to be going to classes? If, if they're going to be going to classes, if some of these schools are open, or what, what's it going to be like? Because that's what's crazy. It's not like there's one thing happening, and that's how it's happening all over the, the country. It's this state's doing this, this area's doing this, Pac-12 doing that, Big Ten doing that, SEC doing that, and it's just... It really does feel like the wild, wild west right now. We've even had... Um, one of the coaches from Purdue, Jeff Brom, he had a detailed, thoughtful proposal for spring football and how it would work in fall 2021. Adam Rit- uh, Rittenberg from ESPN tweeted this thing out, and it, it's it's well done. You know, he's got uh, for the spring season in Saturday, starting February 27th through uh, April 17th. He's got everything from the two-week training camp build-up, and then a four-week training camp, an eight-week season, and then a plan B for late later in the year, if you can't do that, starting in May. So, it was... Yeah, you know, everybody's thinking. They're thinking outside the box. People are working right now because everybody wants things to get back to normal as possible. We just want it to be in a healthy manner. And having a lot of kids out there um, in situations that might not be healthy, I don't like it I do think some of these universities They will get better treatment and better care And better testing, more frequent testing They'll be in better situations Than most likely if they were just at home Some of the smaller schools though That can't afford that They may be putting players in situations Or Putting players in in a tough spot I think everybody wants to play And when you're young You're not worrying about 10, 20, 30 years down the line that's why we kind of have to worry for them. So lots of NBA news going on out there with baseball back, with basketball back. Golf is continuing to roll on, and we're keeping our fingers crossed for football within a month. Thrive Fantasy is rolling right now. What is Thrive Fantasy? It is a daily fantasy site. So do you like to play fantasy sports? You, you've probably played on different daily fantasy sites, or maybe you've played year-long fantasy leagues with your friends. This is a an app, and these are contests that you can get into every day for 5 10 20 25 bucks where you have the opportunity to win thousands playing against other competitors. And what makes Thrive Fantasy a little bit different than some of the other sites is that they use prop 
as a, a way to build your lineup. So it's it's all based around prop bets. Give you an example. It'll say something like, "Will Tom Brady throw for over or under 250 yards?" Over, you get 100 points. Under, you get 80 points. You end up picking your lineup based on the props. Which props do you think you can get max points from? If you're someone who plays a lot of player props, you will love this website. If you're a fantasy player, you'll love this website. If you're someone who likes to watch sports and just get a little extra action, you'll love this website. You'll love it even more because I'm going to give you a little bonus right now. If you go and deposit 20 bucks, if you use the promo code GINO when you make that deposit, you'll get an instant $20 bonus right back there. Instant $20 credit right back for you. So, You'll turn the 20 into 40. You can check out the site. If you have any questions, let me know. Thrive Fantasy. Download the app. Promo code G-I-N-O. Gets you that $20 bonus when you deposit 20. Baseball, the Dodgers are 30% of the way down with their season. They've played 20 games out of 60 so far. It just creeps up on you because baseball is so it's an everyday thing. And we're so used to such a long season that we're, every time you look back down, it's like, 25% of the season, now 30% of the season through. Let's talk about some of the things happening uh, over the last few days in baseball. How about the Red Sox? The Red Sox are just getting destroyed right now. The Rays, this is from ESPN Stats and Info, the Rays outscored the Red Sox 42-22 to in their four-game sweep. The most runs the Rays have ever scored in a four-game series and the most the Red Sox have allowed since September 1978 against the Yankees when they also allowed 42 in a four-game series. That game was so long It was 4 hours and 24 minutes The longest 9 inning game in baseball this season Second longest in Rays history They only had one game go longer than that It, it was really long And the Red Sox, they are struggling you, you, you look at the The way they're hitting That's what's disappointing about this Red Sox team We expected that their pitching would be lacking No sale Eduardo Rodriguez, he's had the issues That were related to COVID Post-COVID So their pitching staff wasn't going to be great They have some okay pieces in the bullpen But their starting pitching that they're throwing out there Game game to game is is miserable But hitting Their lineup Even without Mookie Betts J.D. Martinez Devers, who was one of the best players in baseball last year Bogarts Jackie Radley Jr. Benatendi Moreland They're deep And they're struggling They are struggling This Boston team is 6 and 13. They are one of the worst teams in baseball and they are dead last in the American League East. Dead last at 6 and 13. And you know who's a couple not a couple games ahead of them. Who's 5 games better than them at 10 and 7 right now? The Baltimore Orioles who have won 5 in a row. They have a plus 12 differential in 17 games. And when you look at their team stats, it's not that anyone's hitting 400. It doesn't seem unsustainable for them to be an okay team this year, even though on paper at the beginning of the season we thought they were going to be bad. Everyone's just kind of playing to their best version of themselves. They're hitting the ball well, and they're pitching well enough. They're one of the best fielding teams in baseball, and their pitching isn't that in the bottom few, it's doing enough to keep them as a better than average team. They're playing really good baseball right now. The Orioles, this is a team that in the 60 game season, we thought they might win maybe 13 or 14 games. 
projected to be one of the worst teams in baseball Playing well at 10-7 and seven. Can they sustain it? They've won 5 in a row And we talked about the Rays sweeping the Red Sox They've won 6 in a row They're up to 12-8 and eight now Yankees at the top of the uh, the AL East They're 12-6 and six. Rays are 12-8 and eight, And the Orioles are 10-7 and seven in, uh, in the American League East In the American League Central Twins are playing good ball as we'd imagined uh, they would They're 12-7 and seven, But it's the Tigers that are the sneaky team And I think overall this division That I and many thought would be one of the worst where the Tigers looked like they would be really bad on paper, the Royals looked they would like they would be really bad on paper. Many thought the Indians would sort of take a step back, and it felt like the White Sox were on the rise, but you know, still maybe a year away. These teams are all playing good ball. Four of these teams are over 500, and even the Royals, who are eight and eleven, they've won eight games already. That's more than a lot of people thought they would. They only have a five game, a minus five run differential. In their in their three extra losses they've got, the White Sox are playing like a you know 500ish team. The Indians are one of the best pitching teams in baseball. So the American League Central overall feels like a pretty big surprise to me. Not a whole lot's happened in the West in the AL West since we last talked a few days ago. The A's are up top there at 13 and six. The Rangers are in second now at eight and nine, and the Astros are at eight and ten. So they're four and a half games out of the uh, American League West lead there. When you go to the National League, the Marlins, yeah, the Marlins are eight and four, and they're atop of the the National League East. They're starting to make up more of those games that they they have been a little behind now for for some that they had to postpone. The Braves are eleven and nine, Mets nine and eleven, Nationals and Phillies not playing the best ball right now. They've lost a couple in a row. Phillies lost three in a row. Nationals have lost two in a row. Quietly, the Cubs continue to play good baseball. They're twelve and three. They're 8-2 in the last 10 They've won 2 in a row Darvish had no hitter through I think into the 7th And They're getting It's funny because they still feel like They're not even playing that Well Their their pitching is overachieving But their lineup is underachieving And maybe it'll all come together at some point And, and they'll hit better But they'll give up more runs And it'll still they'll still be a good team they're better than I thought they were going to be this year No doubt about it so far And They've also benefited from The fact that the Cardinals have played five games The Cardinals are two and three What is going to happen with the Cardinals So the Cubs are in a division Where one of their major rivals Is going to be Severely, severely Handcuffed the rest of the year They're going to be in trouble They're going to have to play so many double headers to try and catch up Their pitching is going to be completely depleted They're going to be having to to Bring pitchers up and down over and over The Cardinals are in trouble And then, and the Brewers and the Reds Haven't been playing you know, that well They're already five and a half and six games behind the Cubs The Cubs can just play Under 500 ball the rest of the way through and they're and they're fine. They're going to lock up a playoff spot for them. You get to you get off to a 12 and 3 start, that's what happens. They're finding ways to win. In the National League West, in the National League West has been a tough division. The Rockies are 12 and 6, the Dodgers have uh won a couple in a row now and the Dodgers finally busted out on on Thursday evening. Now they they beat the Padres two in a row and they are 13 and 7. They are they have a plus 51 
run differential And Mookie, they hit six home runs For a team that has not been swinging the bat very well Offensively, when you break their players down individually The whole number still looked good for the Dodgers And they, they look even better tonight After they scoring 11 runs on 13 hits Six home runs, three of them for Mookie Betts The sixth time in his career that he's had three home runs in a game So a Sort of a, a bust out game for the Dodgers Where they've had a sleepy offense so far A game that they really really needed Where the bats come alive Because hey they can't They can't take you know a few games off Or a, a week off When the Rockies and Padres are playing as well as they've been playing This Padres team is no joke They got crushed tonight They got beat up The Dodgers just exploded Their offense did But the Padres have played the Dodgers very very well Big night for the Dodgers Big night for the Dodger Bats And we're going to get next to an interview With Tyler Herringer, he's a big Dodger fan We did this interview on Wednesday Middle of the day Wednesday So it was before the, the last couple Dodger games that, that have happened So we're going to sound a little more disappointed in, in what has happened because they've had a couple big wins The last few, but we talk about Some NHL, Tyler's just a huge sports fan He's the head honcho over at Sarah Candles And I've known him you know, basically my whole life and he's a big hockey fan We talk a little bit about the bubble He's a, a LA sports fan So we talk about the Dodgers A little bit about the, the Lakers and basketball um, A little horse racing in the mix too I mean we bounce all over the place It's a really fun conversation And then he talks about Sarah Candles Talks all about the company Why these candles are different What he wanted to do Why he why they are healthier candles Than the other, nor- the other candles that you get most places Really fun discussion With Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles Very excited to have our good friend Tyler Herringer back uh, Head honcho over at Sarah Candles Tyler, I think You you probably are the guest That's been on my show that I've known longer Than any person, ever I don't think I know, I've had someone on here that I've known Since I was four years old, ever Very happy to have you back, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm uh, Even if it's by default, I'm honored to be the uh, the guest That's known you the longest the, uh, <laughs> Same Luke Lyons all the way back I know, I was just thinking about that right now I said, Man, I, I don't think I've ever I've had anybody on That I've known as long as Tyler So always fun when we can uh, we can shoot the shit a little bit and, and chat some sports So it's crazy, I mean, I think the last time I had you on Was a few months back And, and my how things have changed in, in just a few months Crazy world we're living in But as sports fans The last month or so We've gotten a, a little bit of a taste back And I know for you I don't talk a whole lot of hockey on here I know you're a, a huge hockey fan What have been some of your overall thoughts Of the way the NHL has been doing it With their bubble, a uh, couple bubble setups they have Yeah, I think uh, what the NHL's done Comparable to what the NBA's done Has been, been quite incredible, quite remarkable <clears throat> They've been able to I think that, you know, the NHL and, and the NBA, they've kind of worked. It seems I'm, I'm sure they've kind of shared information, but it seems what they did. And they had the benefit, as opposed to baseball, of having most of their season already completed. So they just really needed to dive into the playoffs. And so they were kind of able to limit the number of teams. But it seems like they took a, you know, a long look at it, felt what was best for the players, what was best to get everything accomplished. And hockey's done over 7,000 tests, and they haven't had one positive out of the of any player staff coach or any anybody that's inside either of the bubbles and the product's been incredible you've got guys that over the course of an 82 game season get beat up and sometimes early in the playoffs it's there's a lot of injuries there's guys missing and some of the games can be kind of who knows what you're going to get but 
this year because of the built-in break every team's come back fresh they've come back healthy and the product's been incredible we had the buzz has been great we the had, buzz had a game great. Uh, last night that went was in the top five longest games in nhl history it went over to a five overtime we had another overtime game today and the games have been great and it's uh it's weird watching hockey in august but like i said we got deprived for so many months that having all these sports all at once is actually it's fun to watch and you could flip on any channel and you could find something that you're interested in, whether it's anything from golf to basketball, to soccer, to baseball, there's always something on. There's a hockey game that started at eight in the morning, West coast time today. Yeah. And that's what's been been cool about the uh, NBA too, with the bubble, you know, is they've been, we, we have to get all these games played in a short period of time. You're getting so many more games throughout the day. Even in baseball, we're seeing a lot of teams wouldn't play many day games, but we're seeing teams having to play earlier in the day because they got to get out of town or travel a little bit more. So it, it went from kind of zero to a hundred right back. And yeah, you, you, we've got the NBA just with another day or two or so, and then we're going to start the playoffs next week. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for the Lakers. Hope things go, go well for them. And, and then in baseball, it's, it's been, it's been weird with the Dodgers so far, Tyler. We're recording this on Wednesday before they play their game on Wednesday night uh, against the Padres. And as of right now, the Dodgers are 11 and, and 7. But it, it's weird. It doesn't really feel like they've played one good game. It doesn't really feel like they've played. I think maybe last night where they got beat 6 to 2 was probably the first time where they got beat by more than two runs the entire year. It, it's been a it's been sort of weird. It's just I think there's I'm not like going through the motions, but it's def the team definitely has not hit yet or or is not even close to firing on all cylinders. Yet they've still been, you know, winning games for the most part. It's it's I got mixed feelings with them. Yes, it's a very you've described it perfectly. It's a very kind of awkward because you you watch them, especially like we do on a daily basis, and you say, Well, they haven't really been spectacular. And then you look at the standings and they've got they're tied or they're one game back, I think, of the Rockies as we record this. And their run and, differential is yeah. plus 36. It's not even yeah. close. They're the number one run differential team. So when you see something like that, you assume that it's going to even out. It just, it's been, it's been weird, you know, because it's, it's, there's really been, I think, two guys early on that were carrying this team were Seeger and Pollock. Now Seeger's been banged up for a little bit. Um, we've been, we've seen kind of Bellinger. Jock, Muncie, Mookie was off to a slow start. He's been playing well. The the other few kind of all struggled together. So it, I mean, I don't. I, I'm assuming they're gonna play a little bit better and and they'll improve. But it's it hasn't been the greatest start. You know, we it, it in particular because some of the other teams in our division are playing very well. Yeah, yeah, and you get a little bit of. Uh, I I assume this happens across most sports and across most cities. Is that when you see your team. Especially, you know, we're kind of spoiled with the Dodgers as it's on paper one of the best baseball teams probably in the last couple of decades. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. the amount of talent they've amassed. So you see it and you watch and you watch every pitch and you watch every game and you can kind of nitpick. And but when you look at it in its totality, the record's fine. The run differential is insane. You've seen Dustin May and Julio Urias been incredible. The Yes, you're right. It's like it's weird because the numbers you still look at them and they're like they're top five in a lot of the the offensive statistic categories. Even though their offense hasn't been clicking, they're still second in home runs. Even though it feels like they haven't been playing well, and and their pitching, their bullpen has been incredible. Which that might be the one thing which is weird because I think as Dodger fans, the last few years we've always been a little worried about our bullpen. This year, 
I feel confident with like seven or eight different guys down there. Yes, the bullpen, like you said, we in the in the playoffs. I think when even over the last few years, if you you know if Kershaw comes out of the game or if Bueller comes out of the game, you start kind of holding your breath, and mm-hmm. crossing your fingers, and you know you're rubbing the the lucky you know <laughs> the rabbit foot, yeah, whatever. exactly. <laughs> And now it seems like, geez, if these guys, you know, if you can get six or seven solid innings out of somebody, you're okay. And they're bringing in, they're bringing in guys that are throwing over 100 miles an hour consistently. You've got Gratterall who's throwing a 101 mile an hour sink, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you got Joe Kelly and Bias Trennan now yeah. too has been awesome. And you know, you mm-hmm. you've got the Floro's been really good. We've got a couple nice lefties now. They went and got McGee and Choleric has been awesome ever since mm-hmm. they got him last. So. It, in that sense, it feels like this year I feel more confident in our pen than in the last few years and in the options that we have down there. It's just I think, like you said, we are in a we are in a good spot where it's like thir- you know like first world problems here. We're complaining about an eleven and seven team, right? Because we want them to be so much better, and we we it, we know that we, when you look at them individually, they all can improve and be so much better. But I I really do feel. Like it's going to come together in in a you know a few games to a week or so where everyone will start to settle in a little bit. Like I, I think we've seen that with Mookie. I think we've seen that with Turner. They struggled a little bit, and now they're starting to to settle in. And the pitching's been really really steady. So it's, I mean, it's crazy, Tyler. We're like twenty eight seven, almost thirty percent of the way through the season now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's also what is kind of fueling this too. If you if you'd taken it back to a 162 game season, if the Dodgers are 11 and seven in middle of May and Bellinger's and Muncy are hitting what they're hitting, no one even says anything. Mm-hmm. No, it's the beginning of the season, no big deal. But it's because of the urgency that everyone's kind of, and who knows, maybe they, they're kind of putting, you know, that look, kind of pressure on themselves yep. too. Oh man, we're a quarter way through the season and I'm batting 195. You know, what's wrong with me? I need to start hitting and they'll start pressing and and when you look at the even the the underlying statistics, a lot of balls are being hit hard. Like you mm-hmm. said, one or two things go a different way. Even last night, uh, there was a ball that Mookie hit really well in a key spot that went all the way to the track, and a guy ran it down and caught it. If he doesn't catch it, it's off the wall. Two, three runs score. Who knows what happens? There's they're eleven and seven, but they could very easily, if you break it all down, before the have, last game, yeah. they could have not lost a game mm-hmm. before this before the Padre game when they like it felt like the game on Tuesday night. Where they yeah. got beat by four, they were down like six to one at some okay. point. That was the only game that they've really been out of this year. In in just a couple of their losses to San Francisco, they they made base running errors. It just what mm-hmm. in the small sample size, what we've seen from this Dodgers team is is probably that their margin for error isn't as great as we assumed it would be. I think we all kind of assumed they would be so good that they would be able to just put up eight runs every game and it wouldn't matter real for the most part. But it's still baseball. It's still tight. These players haven't, you know, had their. A lot of these guys aren't throwing quite as hard yet. They're not quite ramped up. They had to start and stop in their spring training. We know Bueller wasn't quite ready to rock and roll when things started. So I'm, I, I would rather be sitting where we are with our squad than I think anybody anybody else sitting with their squad. I I still like what we've got and where we're sitting and what I've seen out there. It just you want it to all come together. Like when we're greedy as fans, we just want it to happen right now, instantly. You know. Especially since it's been over 30 years since the 1988, you know, we're still trying to get that kind of monkey off our back. So in with the as, Astros as and the Red Sox stuff, yeah. you know, we we we're like we want to get this with these wins. We want to get a big one. We want our year now to just um, 
uh, to finally be able to stand at the top of the mountain. And I'm sure you've seen, uh, did you get a good laugh at some of the stuff that's happened with the Astra so far this year? uh, It's good to see also that, you know, again, they're, they're what, seven and nine and the Mm -hmm. Red Sox are playing well. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think they did within the last uh, couple hours of us taping this, they did announced that Joe Kelly's suspension was reduced from eight to five, which I still think is too many. And that's Mm -hmm. a joke, but we could spend two hours talking about the bad decisions Manfred's made. (laughs) I know. Yeah. That's a whole podcast. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, exactly. That's a whole nother two hours, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see some other teams kind of stand up to the A's, the A's thing. I mean, that might've been a little bit isolated because it seems like the coach coming out of the dugout, which I'm glad they gave him 20, I wish I, I just wish my only problem with the Astros is I wish they would just handle it in a way where like they, they're, they're still not admitting that they any wrongdoing. That's, the, that's why yeah. people keep going after them. It's because they haven't just if if they wouldn't have gotten punished, but they came out and were very, very contrite. But they've all still kind of been asses, you, you know, like exactly. they've all they've been really cocky. They they've all acted like, well, we cheated, but it didn't really matter kind of a thing instead of just being yeah. contrite. And so everyone's, you know, there's the whole rest of the league is now anti Astros, which is so funny, you know, because like the other day, everybody is like. Sending me messages. I love Joe Kelly, you know, and then yeah. and now yeah, everyone's a, a big now. Ramon Luriano fan because of, you know mm-hmm. what happened then. And, and it's just you see Dusty Baker's in a you know he's in a tough spot, but he took he the is. job. And you're hearing him after the game, even after the the Luriano incident, saying, you know, I don't know why he's running towards our dugout. I don't know why. It's like why don't you just take the high road here and say, you know, realize, you know, read the room here, realize that your team's the target. Your team made the mistake, even if you weren't the manager at the time, and say, hey, look. We need to keep our guys in the dugout. Our coach is coming out of the dugout. Take a little responsibility, but they're always just passing the blame, and it just makes people hate them more. It really does. It, it, it's just like an immaturity kind of thing. And uh, like you said, just pass the blame. Was, wasn't us. Wasn't me. It was that other other one there. And so, and and this, it's it's pretty crazy how this organization, like four years ago, they were this young up and coming. Team, everybody loved their young players. They had lost a bunch of games, but they they thought they were a well well run organization. They've got all these stars, and then we find out all these things like you know the cheating stuff throughout, and uh, Yuli Guriel with the racist stuff, you know, in the World Series, and then we find out about their the stuff that uh, you know some of the executives said about like um, Osuna who was involved in sexual assault stuff, and it's just mm-hmm. it's and we've heard their their president like the owner and the president and some of the the executives talk and they always seem like they like you said they don't come off whether contrite or whatever it's it's been a crazy image shift for this organization who went from like a dark everybody in baseball loved them they were this young up-and-coming new team they had lost a bunch we felt like oh they they had some years where they lost and now now they're gonna win and now they're good and we it seems like Every few weeks, there's something else that comes out about them, and even even with this stuff, the guy's you know what is he? He's bad mouthing Loriano about his mother, and and he's saying vile stuff about that, and he's he's waving him on like come and get me, and then he's backing up behind everybody, and he doesn't do anything like that. That just that kind of feels like who this group is right now, doesn't it? It is very yeah, very convenient. Come get me, and also even if you you know, and they, like you say, he's backing up, he's letting other people kind of take the fight on for him. Who cares if he gets twenty games? It doesn't affect the play on the field. Lariano is one of the best players for the A's, who is on. They're one of the hottest teams in the league mm-hmm. right now. They could use his bat. They can definitely use his love in the outfield. And now you take him off the field for a week, and the same thing. Like you're taking Joe Kelly off for. 
for five days, but he didn't even get into a fight. And he's a reliever, not a starter yeah. either, too, which yeah. like a starting pitcher, when they get suspended, sometimes they'll give starting pitchers a little longer suspension because yeah. if you suspend them for eight or nine games, they're only going to miss one or two starts, you know? So, but with yeah. Kelly, he could be in there every other day, two back-to-back days, a lot of times, you know, three days and four start, you know, three out of four days. It's, yeah, it, everything, everything they've been doing with the Astros has been wrong. At least they gave this guy a good suspension for 20 games. Like, at least this was something. and it, it wasn't another opportunity for Manfred to just go crazy on the A's and let the Astros get away with it. Um, but I, I'm... I think all of us, uh, especially the Dodger fans who, who, and probably the Yankee fans who maybe feel pretty slighted about these Astros, uh, they probably haven't minded seeing what uh, what we've seen over the last uh, like week week and a half or so. So, um, at, w- what have you? I mean, we've we've talked a little hockey, little little baseball. We've got some basketball playoffs coming up next week. Um, what about college football? I mean, what what are your thoughts on some of the stuff we've heard? It's been it's kind of crazy to me that as of today on Wednesday, we've got the Pac-12. And the Big Ten that aren't going to play We've got the SEC and the ACC That are going to play The Big 12 I th- today just said That they're going to try to play also I, How crazy is it That we, we could literally have Split in like half of college football Playing and the other half not Yeah it's and then this is a, It's a delicate because at, you know at the end of the day We're in the middle of a national Health crisis and You've got Leagues that are billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar enterprises, college football. Again, these are there's over a hundred programs in the country. Some of them make good money. SEC schools, big Power Five schools. A lot of them don't make great money, and none of the kids are being paid. So to try to keep all the guys on the field, keep them all tested, it's expensive. It's tough. They're all 19, 20 year old kids to try to keep them all in the dorms. Try to you know, there's a lot of moving parts going into it. And so I can see where as much as the fans in us really want them to play. And there's, I know there's been arguments that, well, the kids are safer on campus. It, for some programs, maybe it's true for LSU, Alabama. Sure. They've got the funding, they've got the resources. They can keep all the kids there, feed them all, test them every day. They can make it work logistically. But for a lot of schools, yep. the, tr- the travel, it's, it's too difficult. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to blame any individual school or any individual conference for not wanting to put all these essentially unpaid athletes on the field and then tell them like, go out and play and, you know, don't worry about it. We got you covered if you get sick, but if one guy on the team gets it, you could wipe out a whole offensive line or a whole defense. And now they've got to fly and play another team. And it's just, I could see where in pro sports they're able to kind of make it work. Yes, hundred percent. I can see in the NFL, baseball. even in the yeah. NFL, trying to play. I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, there's 22 guys on the field. There's all the the lines that are lining up, and you're going to have 15 people right up against each other. But I understand that they're getting paid. They can make that decision for themselves and their family as an adult, right? Mm-hmm. What do, what do I want to do that's best? Because we've seen players in in all of these sports opt out. I mean. The Lakers lost Avery Bradley. He was a big part yes. of their, their team. He was a huge, starter. Yeah. You know, huge loss for them. We've seen, you know, Buster Posey in baseball. He he opted yeah. out. He was a, a, a you know, multiple-time all-star, excellent player. We we've seen it in, in all sports. And football so far has had, I think, up to 70, close to 70 players opt out um in the pros. But it it rubs me a little bit wrong in, in college. And I know they I think some of the studies have come out. There have been a, a couple players, one from the Big Ten, one from the Pac-12, kids that had COVID 
and then are not going to be able to play, wouldn't have been able to physically play this year because they've had lingering heart problems or respiratory problems or things like that. So now we're starting to see people who might have had this a couple months ago still have these lingering effects. And do you want to push a kid through that? It's different pushing a grown adult who's making millions of dollars. I, I just feel way much differently about that. Mm-hmm. And um and and I haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna watch and recap, I think, for uh for um this this week or for next week. We got hard knock starting up and we got the NFL. So I mean we're we're a month away in the NFL. Do you do you think like I, I think they're gonna try? What's your gut feeling tell you on if we're gonna if we're gonna have an NFL season in a month? I like I, I I'm with you on that. I think they're gonna try, and mm-hmm. I think they at least with the NFL, it's this is it's probably the richest sports league mm-hmm. you know that we have. So that I know they've got the resources, and I've seen what some of them are trying to do with testing and with trying to keep things sanitary and safe. And I've heard some interviews with some players. Like I think Matt Ryan has detailed some stuff that the Falcons are doing that's been pretty pretty comprehensive, pretty interesting. Pretty good. I mean, so they're... I know they're I know they're going to have the top of the line stuff, and I know they have the money to do it. It's just a matter of man, you've seen it with baseball. Look at the Cardinals have played five games because they've five. got, and they've got guys that are going to the casino. You know, it's like at the end of the day, these are all still young men that are making their own decisions, and without the confines of a bubble, it's you're putting the onus on the guys themselves to conduct themselves in a way that they're going to stay indoors and they're going to stick to the program. And as long as you can keep them tested and keep them kind of on schedule, it could probably work, but all it takes is one guy and you find out three days later that he contracted it. Well, now in that time, he's seen everybody on the roster. Mm -hmm. So now if you have a, you know, it's in baseball. Yeah. Well, let's play a day night doubleheader or in football. If you miss a game, you can't play two games in a week. You can't. I mean, what do you get? One thing do? I heard too about football, which is is crazy to think about. It's really funny when you think that, like there are only like forty or quarterbacks in the entire world that are like le- legitimately able to come into a pro, like the NFL, and take snaps. And there's probably only fifteen good ones in the entire world. And the mm-hmm. same for kickers. I've actually heard they're ta- they're thinking a lot of these teams are thinking about forcing their quarterbacks to quarantine all week long in between games. Because could you imagine, kind of just like what you said, what if two quarterbacks get get it on your team? What happens? You can't just, could, you, yeah. you, there's not just a bunch of quarterbacks growing on trees out there. You yeah, can well, fill in. Especially if you've got a Russell Wilson or a Lamar Jackson sure. or a Patrick Mahomes. The difference, the drop off from Patrick Mahomes to, I'm not even sure who their backup's going to be this year. It's drastic. And especially can, well, and what what if they're in the quarterback room and Mahomes gives it to the backup? Now you're And just, all now three of them got it. <laughs> yeah, and, now and, what? The, you can you can get a running back off of your practice squad. You can get a lineman or um, a defensive lineman, just like you said, where the difference between them and and the starter might not be incredible, right? They're still going to be able to get the job done. But with a quarterback, it doesn't work that way. Even with kickers, too, we see it. There's not that many of them out there. Yeah, and, even the starting kickers struggle. Yeah. Sometimes. What if what if a few of these quarterbacks are? And, and that's what yeah, that's what scares me a little bit about college. Just like you said, we saw Lou Williams. Go to the strip club when he went out You're yeah. telling me these 18, 19, 20 year old kids Are going to do nothing all week long they When they're they're, they're not going to go to a know? party They're not going to hang out with a few extra people They're not going to be around someone without their mask And, and you know we get into the thing too With, with some of the people it, It's become very political So a lot of people in there don't really think this is that serious They may not mm-hmm. think it's that big of a deal So when they're not being watched Maybe they aren't 
Wearing their masks, doing the gloves, doing all the stuff they have to do, and and that you know when you have a team of college football players where there's seventy, eighty guys in that room, that's not like a basketball team where you've got twelve, or a hockey team where you've you know where your numbers are smaller, even a baseball team where you've got twenty five, and then another squad. It's just the numbers with football is is what concerns me a little bit. And I mean, I know we love it. We play fantasy football together, and we uh we we want to be watching football each and every week. We'll keep our fingers crossed because. I, I'm hoping in the pros, like you said, they can they can toe that line of safety and still still being able to get the product out there. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, the, the the fans in us is fingers crossed because there's nothing better than a Sunday football. But you know, you gotta at the same time trust. I guess that uh, they're gonna do everything in their power to try to play, and if they decide they can't, then they won't. But you know, you hope that. Uh, uh, only a month till it starts seems pretty quick, but you know, like I said, there's a lot can happen between then. I know they're working around the clock on trying to find a vaccine and you just hope that, you know, it all works out and they're able to play. And even if they, you know, got to find a way it's 2020, the baseball ended up being 60 games and you just got to live with it and appreciate what you got. Mm-hmm. Every sport's had to change. If football has got to, for some reason, play 12 instead of 16, that people aren't going to be happy, but you know what? You got to take what you can and uh, just, just hope that everything works out and everybody's able to stay safe and get on the field. So we were going all the way uh, around the gamut. I know you like to dabble in the races a little bit. Um, how's your summer been with the racing? Uh, any any luck over at Del Mar or Saratoga or uh, any of these tracks? Yes, yeah, Saratoga and and Del Mar have been fun. That's that those are, that's the best kind of racing. You get mm-hmm. the baby races, the two year olds, and you can get oh, some yeah. bombs, and you'll find yourself, you know. Four out of four and going into close a pick five, you'll have eight of the ten horses and you'll they'll run the two horses you don't have a one run one what? two and you'll get scratching <laughs> your head. Just kicking going, the screen. What's going yeah. on? But we had a little uh, you know, I guess not that I need to do a public service announcement on your show, but if you're not listening to that's what G said, you then you're not living your beast life today. At, uh, oh, there Saratoga. we go. Yeah. I got a little yeah. victory score on that. So that was fun. Had some had some win wager money on that. That was a good little little uh, choice there by you and Hopefully we get some more tomorrow. Thank but, you. But uh, yeah, the, the racing's been fun, and yes. uh, in the you know it's kind of fun now. We're less than a month out from the Derby. How weird is I, that? I'm, I'm, I'm interested to in see September. Uh, yeah, September. <laughs> the run for the roses in September. I'm interested to see a little uh, Tis the Law maybe going up against okay. Art Collector. That should be fun. Yeah, man, and, he, uh, he's good and he, he's funny. Like I've tried to play against him a lot, and I've, I've not. I, he does as a gambler. You want to knock him, you want to beat him. I mean, it just as a in a horse racing. You know, man, or covering the sport, he's been just incredible. He's been good, and now art collectors, you know, kind of the new hot horse who's had a couple of good wins, as you mentioned. Those two will take a ton of money, and um, it's just definitely different because we've had sort of a it's a war of attrition with these three year olds and with horses, and but in general, it's so hard to stay good and stay healthy for a long time. And we've seen you know a lot of the some of the Baffert horses like the Nadal, Charlatan, they might have been big players. A horse like Maxfield might have been a big player, and they. Won't be running come derby time So yeah, it's it's all going to be about tis the law We'll see if our collector can get him I think a horse like maybe like an honor AP Might be able to bounce back mm-hmm. off, a, off a cruddy effort last time out So yeah, it's it's crazy, Tyler That come September We could be sitting on, you know The derby, baseball, basketball, football Everything's still going mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything we going We got the Masters coming up Masters yeah. coming up I mean <laughs> It just could be inc- absolutely incredible yeah. for a few weeks in September, unlike uh, a year we've ever had before, where we have all these sports uh, going on at once. So, man, it it 
it, it's, it's just talking about it now is getting me a little more pumped up and excited because we've got so much mm-hmm. going on now. In a few months, we we didn't have much, but but through the entire time, one thing we have had going: Sarah Candles, uh, Sarah Candle Company. So you're the head honcho over there. And uh, constantly seeing new scents being added. I know you uh, you teased a, a, a new collaboration coming up. And how are things going uh, on your end? How have things been the last few months? And kind of give us the the state of the union over there from Sarah Candles. Yeah, everything's uh, everything's been good. We've had uh, a, a little trouble over the last few months with some suppliers just because of the COVID. You know, but mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't you know in the warehouses and stuff like that. So we've had a little shortage of supplies, but. Nothing too drastic. We've been able to kind of just stockpile and fight through, and and uh, we're actually working now on some uh, getting some fall stuff up. The the collaboration that you mentioned we're going to have coming up here, we're going to be debuting uh, five new scents with that collaboration. That should probably be within the next month, and then uh, soon thereafter, we're going to be diving into our fall scents, which have been pretty popular in the past years. We'll have our kind of pumpkin pies and cinnamon spices types, and we'll have our Christmas scents coming up after that. So hopefully uh, within the next few months, we'll have uh, probably a total of about 10 to 12 new scents coming out in addition to the 25 or so that we offer. And uh, we're hoping to just run some, we're going to probably run some promotions around them, run some deals, try to get some people, uh, some candles in their house, in their house to feel, you know, a little warm as we head into the fall time. And uh, hopefully with the uh, pandemic, it kind of, you know, brings a little, a little something to somebody. Maybe you can, light a few candles in the house and we start getting back to normal life hopefully in the fall and the fall season comes and you start getting the holidays and everybody can uh, cheer up a little bit and get back to normal life hopefully here at the end of 2020 what um what i what i've been saying is you know throughout these last few months and even now we're we're all kind of cooped up in the house a little bit more we're not going out quite as much so you've got you know some pe- and it's getting warm. It was warm. You know, you got you got some sweat going on. You, you know, you got a few extra bodies in the house. You definitely need a candle to uh, to lighten to lighten the sense up a little bit. And then you got you know like mom or dad or your uncle or someone is cooking something weird, and then it stinks up the mm-hmm. whole house. You know, my sister's always doing this quinoa stuff and these healthy <laughs> these healthy things. And then I walk in the whole house. It's like I I need to light me a, a candle or two. I think this is a great opportunity to do so. So I know there. It, it's kind of like asking you. Which of your children is your favorite But uh, give us a couple of your particular Favorite scents which are some of the ones that For you 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 uh, are, are Lighting up and burning for the most part uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the oak Moss and amber that's one of my uh, Favorite nice. scents that's a great one yeah and then uh, Actually we got a new scent That we, uh, we call high tide that's uh, That's a really uh, A really nice nice fresh scent And you know I guess even for me, when I first started, people think of candles like in the fall when it's cold and it's warm, but really in the summertime, it's not really heating up your house. It's just more to kind of, you know, again, maybe there's a, maybe someone's cooking something weird. Mm-hmm. You need a little <laughs> fresh scent in there. And so, yeah, we've been lighting a lot of candles in the summer, man, just to bring, uh, bring a little different scent in the house and maybe it'll bring you back somewhere. The Del Mar is a good one. Maybe you light that one and you, you know, you can, someone will walk in there and you feel like you're, you know, you're back at the beach, you know, so it's, it's something that you can kind of light for all seasons. And again, with the, with the price point, you can, you can use the, you can use the promo code Gino and get 10% off and you can, you can get a candle shipped to your house and you can get it for under 15 bucks. So it's something easy to try. And if you like one, you buy another one and you can try any sense. And a lot of of times too, when when people have been ordering, we've been sneaking an extra candle in the box, you know, trying to get people a little pick me up here in the time. So, you know, if you, if you want to, if you're curious and you want to throw an order in for one or two, you know, 
I might accidentally drop another one in the box there for you. I'm a, I'm a fresh roses guy. I absolutely mm-hmm. love the fresh roses. It's like it really smells like you have a fresh batch of flowers right there, and it's strong. But it's not what I love about your scents is they're you, you know they're there, but they don't hit you in the face. They don't mm-hmm. like overpower you to the point where like some candles are just too much. You know, it is not the way with you, you. It's a great smell, but it's just it's a light compliment to everything that's going on. And and when we're talking about your candles, if so, if the people out there that are listening and they, you know, they buy candles here and there, they stop at the store, maybe they get some for their mom or their dad or brother, sister, whoever. The thing about your candles that's different, and one of the reasons why you know I've loved helping you promote them here and talking about them, and that's what G said is because these are candles that you you didn't just say I'm gonna make candles. You said I'm gonna go in with an idea. I want these to be healthy, non-toxic candles that are actually better for you that that will you know that can be different than other candles. So explain a little bit about that and what you know what are some of the things that you use and that makes Sarah candles different than the others. Yeah, that's and and what you said is is completely true. We looked at you know my my mom's an avid candle burner for years and so i was just kind of looking at the candles and just curiosity seeing what's in them and there's a lot of there's a lot of toxins in the wax they use a synthetic wax which is cheaper and that's why you're able to get them for cheaper and it's got it's got some stuff in it that you could find in gasoline that you would yeah. put in your car and you don't want to light that on fire in your and house breathe it in yeah, yeah. especially and especially if you've got kids or if you're especially kids, during, families you know, animals you know all that yeah. stuff yeah so i said let's there's got to be a way there's got to be a there's got to be an alternative type of wax and i found a soy based wax that's got no additives no toxins in it and i found scents that are all natural that have essential oils that are healthy and clean burning and i said okay now, now let me figure out the science behind them and figure out how much scent I need to put in there so that it's a good, healthy scent. But like you said, doesn't smack you in the face. It's not too much. But when you burn the candle down halfway, now there's no more scent. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the big companies will try to cut costs that way. They'll kind of put the scent on the top and you light it and the scent burns out. And About halfway down, you have to throw it away because yeah, there's nothing left. Like, this is just, I'm just, it's just a fire lit in my house now with synthetic wax. So I said, there's got to be a way that somebody can kind of curate a candle that you know is clean burning and burns properly and it's affordable you go on if you type in soy candle on your on your google search browser you're going to find candles that are 50 60 dollars and and more power to them you know you're allowed to free market you can charge whatever you like but i said why can't you have a nice clean burning candle that is worth the money and burns all the way down but it costs 15 dollars instead of 60 yeah and so i uh i couldn't find anything that did that and i said well then let's, how about if I try to make it myself? And so I did the research and I, you know, ran the numbers and calculated it all out and started creating candles and the response was positive. And I said, okay, let's try to see, uh, you know, how many people we can get this in this into. And uh, so far the, the response has been positive from everybody that I've talked to. And if any, you know, if anybody's curious and wants to try, you know, like I said, we, we got 25 cents. We're gonna, we're constantly adding more. We're constantly adding adding seasonal scents. So I'm sure there's something in there that you like. And like I said, if you want to order a candle or two, you might, you know, I might drop an extra candle in your box on accident because <laughs> trying to get these things out to as many people as possible. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I guess the ultimate at the end of the day, you're trying to run a business and you're trying to make money. But I'm really just trying to get these things out to yeah. as many people as possible. Is uh, and see, you know, just give people a different choice, a different option. So you don't feel like if you like candles, go to the 
big, big box, and that may not be the best for you. Tyler Herringer, the head honcho over at Sarah Candles. Tyler, I love talking to you, as I said, because we're long longtime friends, and we could literally, there are few people that I could go around the, the horn, the gambit, like we just did, where we go from uh, baseball to football, a little basketball, a little hockey, a little horse racing, a little bit of everything. I've enjoyed the last uh, half hour plus. Thanks for coming on with me again, folks. Uh, uh, thanks for coming on with me again. And tell the folks, where can we get uh, all the information? Where can we find stuff about Sarah Candles? Yeah, so best uh, sarahcandles.com. That's sarahcandles.com. And then we're Sarah Candles on Instagram. Uh, if you have any questions about the candles, if you inquire about a specific scent or a specific size or anything like that, you can find information on the website. You can also send me a direct message on Sarah Candles on Instagram, and I'll be more than happy to talk to anybody. And if you have any questions or you have any comments or anything like that, I'm more than happy to chat with anybody. Awesome stuff. Tyler, buddy, let's hope that. Uh... We'll just, you know, just start winning a few more games here and there. I'll, I, we want, we don't want the Dodgers to peak too early. We want them to be playing well come playoff and World Series time. So we'd rather have them playing better. Then we just gotta make sure we keep splitting and winning every series. Yeah, and that's that's all we can ask for. And and it really only matters once we get to the playoffs. So mm-hmm. As long as we get in, they, you know, it's World Series or bust, baby. Absolutely, Tyler Herringer, Sarah Candle Company. Thanks so much, buddy. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks you too, Gino. Folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on That's What G Said. We're just going to take a break here from one of our sponsors. Big thank you to Tyler. You can hear very knowledgeable, really fun, cool guy, and uh, does a great job with Sarah Candles. Do me a favor. If you're someone who loves candles, if you you know your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister, one of your friends do, or even if you, you just heard our conversation and you want to help support a, a small business, it helps support That's What G Said. If you use the promo code G-I-N-O, puts a few bucks in my pocket, takes a few dollars off of a off of your candle purchase with a 10% discount, and it helps out Tyler quite a bit. So thanks again to Tyler. Don't forget, Sarah Candles. Sarah Candle Company, sarahcandles.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. Let's get you into some Friday racing. Head over to Saratoga. Past performance is out for August the 14th. Let's get you to race number four. I'm going to just talk about the fourth a little bit and then a late pick four at Saratoga for Friday. So in race number four, it's the perfect sting stakes race. They're going to go a mile and a 16th on the turf course. I thought the two horses to the outside were the two to use exotically. And I think Secret Message is the one to beat in here. And if she is close to three to one, I think that's a great price on her. You could tell that when she doesn't run well, she just seems like she's a little overmatched. She she really is honest, and she shows up if she's in a spot like this where she seems to be fit, where she seems to be a fit on a on class level. She runs really well. I expect she's going to do just that in here. That secret message. The horse I might bet to win, if if she's around five to one or so, is Shalur. You know, you look up and down this field. And there is not a ton of speed. Cafe Amer- Americano isn't exactly a speed demon. Maybe we get PD Bianchi to to just get aggressive and try to show some speed in there. Um, Feel Glorious isn't that quick. Altia isn't that quick. And Secret Message is going to launch from the back. So if even if the two PD, PD Bianchi goes, Shalur might be able to sit right behind and work out a great trip. So take a look at the 7 and the 6 in here I think those are the two horses you may want to play And throw into some of your early exotics I just don't love a lot of the other races And what's nice is now we have so many options I'm never going to force If I don't like the early pick 5 or I don't like sequences I'm not going to force 
and, and tell you, hey, here's a hundred dollar ticket to play. It just it, it feels dishonest to me. If I'm not playing that way, I'm gonna tell you how I'm playing these days and and let's focus on the opinions that we are a little stronger with. So we move to race number seven. So yeah, number six, Shalur, number seven, secret message. Use those two in the exotics in your in your early pick fives if you're playing them. And when we play this race individually, maybe we use those two in exactas and you know with the two with with each other and maybe overall and all over. If we can catch a, a price underneath too Let's go to race number 7 This is the start of your late pick 4 here And uh, the 3 Fig Jelly is, is speed I can understand if you want to use Fig Jelly I'm going to chuck Fig Jelly out right off the bat I'm going to go 5, 6, and 8 in here I like the the 5 Hurricane Hill Who will come running late He's going to go second off the bench The way this race shapes up the 1's got some speed, the 2's got some speed Fig Jelly's got some speed, Tenure's got some speed Empire Line's adding the blinkers I don't think this is a, a horse who's, who's Going to be speedy with this group But he's shown speed Previously before he came to the US You know you have The 1A, I don't think both members Of the both the entry are going to show speed and, and even to the outside With LNZ is another one Who's really quick, they could be Flying up front early I don't really want a lot of the speed horses in here So I can understand If you want Fig Jelly And maybe Fig Jelly sits just off with Irad Ortiz I'm, I'm thinking He gets a little caught up in it here Though and, and five and a half hasn't. He's not been a win machine He's the type of horse who I generally Like to play against So the five Hurricane Hill, the six Empire Line With the blinkers on, he can sit closer He's going to go second start off the long long layoff Second time US And the eight Bourbon Currency had legitimate trouble last time out on July the 12th And prior to that The form is Is super, just just put a line right through that July 12th race, and any of those races Would fit nicely with this group 5 8, 6 You want to throw the 3 in, feel free It's just not a horse that I need And I think in the long run You know, using short price favorites That we don't like Is not going to be great for our pocketbooks Let's move to race number 8 I'm going to go too deep in here with just the 4 and the 8 I think the 4 you could probably single Tale of the Union But I do like the 8 Runaway loot a little bit He just he absolutely just needed his, his last race and I don't know if he's got anything left Like he like he used to have Back in you know late 2018, 2019 Where he put up some, some good efforts But He's willing to me. I'm willing to give him another opportunity here, and I'm not ready to give up on him quite yet. The race that he exits has come back really, really live over at Laurel. So it was an off track too. So it was footing that he didn't. He come back off of a year plus layoff, and you don't get the greatest footing. Now Joel is jumping aboard too, which you, you probably serve as a positive. I think there's a lot more than what we saw with him last time out, and. I mean, he's in a he's in a great spot here against New York Breads because the purse of this race is is a good purse. And he's been coming out of open races. I think there's a lot of upside with the eight. So let's use the eight along with the four. Tale of the Union and Runaway Loot. Those two in the pick four. We move to race number nine. This is the race where I'll spread out a little bit. Argon, the two is coming out of a very, very live race. I think this is a good spot for Argon to maybe get a little confidence. The four, Mr. Alec, tough to leave him out with the kind of speed and the, the tactical speed that he has. The entry for Chad Brown with voting control, um, it, that one's tough to to leave out. And you know, with, with value engineering, uh, if you get the two for one action, especially the 
eight current, I'd probably make my slight top selection in here. But as you can tell, when I'm spreading out like this, I don't really have the strongest opinion. I just feel like this is a race that many could win, and uh, we'll spread out one, two, four. Seven, eight, and ten. So I'm also going to use the seven conviction trade. Who I didn't talk a, a whole ton about conviction trade coming off of that good third place effort on July the fourth. Just a little bit wide, and and I, I have no issue with the I, just a repeat of that. And two back was behind value proposition fits very nicely if you're just looking at like numbers and speed figures with this group. And the ten empty tomb may have to step step up a little bit. But I always love when Maker takes over With horses that are going long on the grass And he goes uh, immediately to the grass With this one, empty tomb One, two, four, seven, eight, ten In the spread out race, which is race number nine For me I'll try to close out the pick four in the tenth at Saratoga The twelve horse Mopolka, Mopolka, please Blinkers coming off her lone race on the grass was against New York Red Maiden 40s. She finished fourth that day in a field of 11. She showed speed. It was her first start in a couple months. I thought she ran really, really well. She was actually favored in that race. And then since, she tried the dirt a couple different times. Didn't run that well. One of them, again, she was favored. Just showed a little bit of speed. She's got some speed. She's going to take the blinkers off. If she puts up an effort that that's close to the, the Belmont turf race... She's right there with this group at a price Let's use the 12 in all of our exotics And then we'll use along with some logicals The 8, uh, Lucky Latkes uh, Lucky Latkes, the 9, Running on Entry And the 10, Unicorn Sally So we'll have a pick 4 at Saratoga On Friday, starting in race number 7 It's going to look like 3 I'm going to go 5, 6, 8 Chuck the 3 out If you want to use the 3, that's fine For me, you know Th- the the three is just the horse that I, I have I don't like doing this when there's favorites that you you, you know and so I've t- I've made such a point of talking about the three he's ob- I've obviously put him in the winner circle already so um, five six eight in race seven with four eight in race eight with one two four seven eight ten in the ninth with eight nine ten twelve that is your Friday Saratoga let's continue with the uh, Friday racing and let's head on over to Del Mar for Friday. We're also going to talk at the end of this about the Friday stable duel contest at Del Mar. You can get involved for 10 bucks. I'm going to go through um, some horses to use in your lineups that I think will be nice prices that that may help you get a little separation in some races. So, let's start in race number 1 at Del Mar on Friday. I'm going to play an early pick 5 here. This is going to be a very weird ticket. It's going to be a little different, but remember there's no right template for a pick four or a pick five. It shouldn't always be, well, I'm going to single in one and use three by three by three, or I'm going to go two by two by two. Every sequence and every race is going to be different, so you must treat it as so. In race one, I like the nine Norma's Love, and how weird is that? I, I mentioned uh, my grandma at the very beginning of the show. It's her birthday. Her name is actually Norma. Norma's Love, what's wrong with her turf form? The career debut, she she was in the day de- uh, she was on the dirt at Gulfstream Park, put a line right through it. The other race that was taken off the grass in January, put a line right through it. Now, she's in the she was in the Navarro Barn. Now comes into the Miller Barn. What I what I like is that she's had a lot of time since she's last raced, and she's been in the Miller Barn for a while now. She's been working on the Delmar Turf Course. Give me Norma's love. Using anything around 4 to 1 I'll make a win wager Using along with the the 5, 8, and 7 So it's going to be 5, 7, 8, 9 In the first race, leg 1 of the pick 5 sequence 
And then get this I'm going to go all in race two It's a field of six They're Calbred Phillies and Maiden Philly two year olds Five and a half furlongs I'm going to go all And then we're going to go to race three It's a Maiden Special Weight Five furlongs on the turf course We have a field of eight in here We have one horse who has started Seven first time starters I'm also going to go all And then how I'm going to end this pick five Is going to be with back to back singles A little bit different strange ticket But that's just the way these races Feel to me In the fourth race I like the five quite a bit Operatic first off the claim For Bob Hess Jr. And He's just been running in better Tougher races at Churchill And at Oaklawn Park This is a great spot for him There are no monsters in here I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up taking money Pratt jumps aboard So you're always going to get money when that's the case I think it's it's going to be a really good spot For Operatic So I will single the 5 in race number 4 And then in race number 5 I'm going to single Z-Drop, the 6 Z drop. He hasn't done much wrong. Or she hasn't done much wrong in her career. Tossed the the race back in May at Belmont Park, May of 2019, where it was in the slop. They, they were taken off the grass, going long. Everything else has been pretty solid. Even her last race on June the 14th, it was her first start since September. She needed the race, no doubt about it. She's going to be a lot sharper today. She was in a race that's come back live Because the second place finisher, Maxim Rate Came back to win an optional 62 non-2 With a nice 92 buyer Z-Drop is drawn well She's pretty tactical She doesn't have to be too far out of it The way this race shapes up on paper The 3 Raymundo Secret has some speed The 4 Tap Water has some speed Is going to be fresh And the 5 Ellie Arroway has some speed I think Z-Drop is going to be in a great spot in race number 5 So here's how this pick 5 would play out Starting in race number 1 five, seven, eight, nine, four 4 deep With all Which is 6 deep With all Which is 8 deep And then single And then single And this ticket is less than 100 bucks It's five, seven, eight, nine. So you got 4 Times 6 is 24 Times 8 4 times 6 is 24 Cut it in half Because it's a 50 cent ticket 96 bucks and you know we get through the first race. It would be nice to kick back and then you know root for a couple prices in races two and three, and then hope our bullet singles come in in races five and six. If the fourth race, the number five operatic is around five to two, that's a fair price. If Z drop is around two to one, that's a fair price to me. I think they both get bet. So let's try to take advantage uh, and make a little more money than just playing them in the win end. And maybe single them on the back end of pick fives And and hope we can string together A couple decent price winners in front of them Now in race number six I like the uh, the eight horse in here quite a bit Run like Kona So she's raced twice Her career debut was back on May the 15th at Santa Anita Race number two She was racing against Calbred Maiden 50s that day Maiden 50 claimers And she drew the rail And she she broke Pretty well she actually wasn't far out of it early Just maybe three lengths where she's sitting And she kind of got outrun She lost a ton of ground On the inside three or four lengths She kept to the inside Then she moved in between horses Then she had to stop and alter course I thought it was a really good effort For her finishing third that day It seemed like a good learning experience too 
So much that the connections decided to step her up and, and protect her Put her in a spot where she was facing Calbred Maiden special weights Well, things didn't go that well, that well that day She had a slow start And then she just never got into it But there have been three next out winners out of that race It has come back very, very live Now she's going to drop in against in, against Maiden 20s And that's a, a sort of comparable Open Maiden 20s is like a comparable level To the Calbred Maiden 50s That she was facing in her debut This is a great spot for a run like Kona If you can get anything around 4-1 to one, I think she's worthy of a win wager Make sure to use her in all of your exotics Let's get to race number 7 With the number 9 Sugar Pickle So she comes out of a race behind a, next, a nice next out winner And This is a race that seems like it has A lot of speed on paper The 3 Jewel Thief is, jewel thief is quick We'll try the turf for the first time The 4 Majestic Gigi is quick the 5 Sadie Bluegrass is quick The 6 Mean Sophia is quick The 7 Rain Diva is quick The 8 Money is pretty quick I can see this race Having a very, very fast early pace That seems like it'll set up for Sugar Pickle Coming out of a couple 5 furlong races on the dirt So that'll at least get some speed sharpened up For a filly who had raced a mile a couple times before that She's one going five five and a half furlongs So we know she can win at the trip She's run okay on the grass against better I think a lot better than what's in this race And And just the fact that Pratt takes the call Is very, I think a big major positive obviously When you get Pratt aboard But he thinks this is a live filly Who's going to get a lot of speed to run at in here I would use the 9 I'd make a win wager if we can get around 4 to 1 or so And in any exotics that you're playing Along with the 1, 2, and 3 Lay 2, Brittle and You, and Jewel Thief uh, Brittle and You, kind of the wild card Was claimed for 75000 for Sadler And they took one shot at Churchill Going 6.5 Now they're in for 50 going 5 on the turf I don't see that as a positive Sadler's usually one who, who does what he did he Can step him up and protect him when he claims him Not drop him back down like this But maybe they just want to get aggressive because it's Del Mar And they want to get some wins 9 with the 1, 2, and 3 In race number 7 Let's skip to race number 9 And let's go to the number 8 Golden Donut Golden Donut Had a layoff from September Of 2017 to June of 2020 We're almost talking three full years And he's come back and he's raced twice June the 20th and July the 12th And he's run well in both He was only beaten two plus lengths When he finished third Off of that long, long layoff in a field of nine Last time out he was close up early He was, he was like fifth And he was in between horses He had a little traffic He was in the second flight Three off And he made this nice early move Up the inside From the rail He opened up a couple lengths He took the you know he took the lead Opened up a few lengths He led till mid-stretch He's got a little bit tired He's still getting his legs back He had three years off Now with those two races under his belt He's had a month to recover from that race On July the 12th Now on August the 14th So I'm not worried about any kind of a bounce for him Give me Golden Donut The number 8 We're going to round 7 to 2 We'll make a win wager on Golden Donut So That's your Delmar Friday If you are someone who likes to play Stable Duel And what is Stable Duel? We had Bree Mott, the director of marketing on In our, our last episode to talk all about it Stable Duel is the 
horse racing daily contest the new contest with the stable duel app and you can play on Friday at Del Mar in a contest for just 10 bucks where you have to pick 10 horses throughout the card and they have to fit based on the a salary cap that you have so you can't just pick the, the favorite in every race all the way down some races you're going to have to take a, a chance with some big long shots it, I'm I'm in the tournament for uh, the contest for Friday at Del Mar Here are some horses I think you might want to take a look at And base what their price is based on With their salary cap for Friday So in race number one it's going to be the, the nine Norma's Love at $3,000 At the very fair price for a horse Who I think will take a little bit of action In the fourth the number five Operatic 7000 I think he gets bet I think that one gets bet even more So Paying, paying 7000 doesn't bother me and Z drop at 7500 in race number 5 The two horses I'm going to single in, in a lot of my exotics I think they are not morning line Favorites so even if they end up going off As the, the favorite it doesn't matter as far as your Stable dual lineup is concerned the fact that they aren't The morning line favorite means we're getting a little bit More value on them because they're They're a little bit cheaper so Operatic in the 4th um, at 7000 spend up there in the 5th the Z drop at 7500 I think you can spend up there And then in race number 6 Run like Kona Who was really good in the debut And then just faced tougher Last time out At $1000 That does not take a whole lot Off your salary cap That's a, that's a really nice horse to use In race number 6 For your stable dual Friday lineup In the 7th race The 9 sugar pickle And then again in the ninth, The 8 golden donut Both of them are only 5000 That's a That's the average you have a $50,000 salary cap and you have to fill with 10 horses. So you're looking at about 5,000 per horse. So if you feel really confident all the way down at horses that are about 5,000 or if you go 3,000 in one race, you know you could spend up a little more at 7 in the next and 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 you work your way through building a lineup that way. To me, that's what I like about this Friday lineup is there are a lot of horses that I, I think fit and that that I think will get bet down. I'm I'm I feel like I'm Identifying some horses who may be getting played, and that's what we want. We'll be in situations where we're going to have shorter price horses at their off odds than the morning line, which means we didn't have to pay up as much for them as we may uh, maybe we should have on our uh, our stable duel lineup. So play race win. If you ever have any questions about stable duel, just let me know. We're always going to be uh, breaking down lineups and providing analysis here on that's what G said. Next up, we flip. The page to Saturday Let's start with Saratoga Saturday we're going to talk with Scott Shapiro And we're going to go through the late pick 5 Starting in race number 7 Get your past performances out for Saratoga Saturday August the 15th We've got a couple stakes races Including the grade 1 Alabama With Swiss Sky Diver Enjoy the conversation on the Saturday Late pick 5 from Saratoga Another big week of racing at Saratoga Big weekend we're going to be focusing in On this particular episode of that's what G said and joining us now Good friend of the show, good friend in general Someone who's been joining us from the very beginning he, Anywhere that I have uh, Some content, you're always going to hear him Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to one of my good friends Who I love talking racing with, love talking sports with Scott Shapiro, how you doing buddy? Doing well Gino We're uh, 23 days out from the Kentucky Derby So things here in Louisville Starting to heat up a little And uh, in the meanwhile we got uh, the big weekend of racing with the Alabama at Saratoga and uh, then Pacific Classic out your way next weekend. Yeah, and you know, I know you're uh, someone who likes to to dabble on wager on some other sports, and you definitely analyze and do work on a lot of other sports. And so, 
golf we've we've had horse racing really all along through this pandemic which has been very nice for us horse racing fans when some of the other major sports had to postpone or cancel but um for, we've and now we're starting to see some of the big sports come back we've got baseball back now we've got basketball back now we've got hockey back now i know for you it's probably bittersweet cuz let's see some of your biggest Things that you focus the most on Golf which has been rolling But college basketball I know you're really high on So no March Madness that hurt Just from your fandom And then with college football now I know you're a big college football fan And with everything going on there with You know you're a Big Ten guy I'm a big I'm a Pac-12 guy Our conferences have cancelled We know that the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC They're going to try to play It's just what a crazy year again When, when something like this is happening it's uh, certainly crazy, and uh, I don't know what to think. I guess I got the heart ripped out of me right before March Madness yeah. the sport, and yep. I guess sub, sub, I'm kind of like subconsciously not letting anything bother me after that. pessimistic maybe? Or even... Well, it just ripped my heart out. I don't want to yeah. have it happen again. I don't want to start up anything and then have it stop. I know. So. I know. And I'm, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the, with the college football not happening. It sucks, and when it comes around, but yeah, like you said, racing and golf is. I've been very lucky. They're two of my big things, and they've continued to go on. And we'll cross our fingers for the NFL. I hope they've got it figured out. I think there's a lot of logistics that are different than college. That they got, they got a better shot than college. At least yep. I feel like with them being professionals, they're getting paid, they have the ability and the money and the opportunity to do things a little bit differently than the college kids could. And you you would you would hope you could trust them, although we've seen in the NBA situations like this. You would hope you could trust some of the players to know, you know, that hey, we're in a unique situation right now. This this isn't like normal, but it's hard. We're all human. You know, you have a tough day. You want to go out, you do something. And, and, and a lot of people, it comes down to beliefs too, you know, where people stand on, on wh- what they think with everything that's been going on. Some people don't think this is that big a deal. And if, if that's where you stand, you, you know, you could be one of the, the players that could quickly infect the whole team. So it's just, God, there's so many, there's so many layers to all of this. And uh, we've, we've had hard knock startup too. I'm going to recap that um, episode and, and those episodes starting next week, but it, at least there's, you know, We've got some baseball, we've got some basketball, we've got some hockey, and the momentum seems like we're going to get some NFL. So, hey, that's a it's a hell of a lot better than we were a few months ago, Scott. Yeah, no doubt about it. And just going to try to remain optimistic, prepping for as if the NFL season's going to go. And, you know, we got the good racing in the fall here in Kentucky. Uh, so excited for that. Fans or no fans. And uh, excited for the for the you know, the other golf majors and the uh, FedEx playoffs. Yep, so big racing this weekend at Saratoga that we're going to focus on. If you're following along, get your past performances out. Scott and I are going to talk about the late pick five for the Saturday card So we're talking August the 15th at Saratoga We're going to start in race number 7 in here And what makes this race difficult Scott You have a New York Bred's first level allowance And they're going to go a mile on the turf course You have 7 horses that exit that July 25th race uh, and, a, and there were a couple that had Just unbelievably brutal trips I, I think we might have talked about the, That race last time we talked or And Mo Reddy was a horse Who was coming off the bench Was first time gelding and he had just a horrendous trip down inside with absolutely no opportunity to run. For the the trip players and the folks that watch replays, I'd imagine he's going to take a lot of money and probably get bet in here. Yeah, him as well as Simply, yep, who got yep. completely stopped in He was there, like right, right behind him, and he kind of backed up into him, and, and they were just both stuck there. Right, right. And I think what's important to remember about that race, other than the, the bad trips— 
was that uh, that was the rare case in New York, uh, two-turn turf races, where it was a fast, contentious early pace. So I really like Sanctuary City. It was a horse I used that day quite a bit. And uh, he, he's a nice horse, but he got the setup that day. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be as fast of a pace in here, Gino. You've got yep. Dan Fusey, who uh, will probably, will almost definitely be on the lead. You've got Steelers fan for life, who tried to come from just off the pace, but from more of an outside draw last time. I expect him to be involved and maybe Kid Oro, but... I don't know if it's going to be a race where you want someone from well out of it. I think it might be more of a race where you want someone uh, from that second tier. I agree. And um, one horse that I think is interesting, in addition to the two trip horses, Mo Ready and Simply, is number three, Albie, who uh, gets a big positive rider change to Joel Rosario. And maybe more noteworthy is the fact that Carlos Martin takes the blinkers off this horse was involved in the pace that day, uh, but with Rosario and the blinkers off, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a different story with the trip. Uh, the inside draw is favorable. I would think Albie can sit a nice mid-pack trip in this race, and while Carlos Martin is 0 for 10 at the meet going into Thursday, I don't think he won a race uh, either of those days. Uh, I printed these out before then, but um, I do think this horse is worth a look. Uh, as well as Mo Ready and Simply. I think those are the three horses that are going to get the best trips. And, uh, well, hopefully for Mo Ready and Simply, they get a better trip than last any, time. Yeah, right? any, anything's better than what the trip that they both got. Yeah, it was brutal. And what <laughs> yeah. you said, and, like, Mo Ready feels to me like he's just a perfect fit in here with the, the second off the bench, and he's got the style that you mapped out that 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 I think will win this race. Sitting off the pace, getting able to get a jump on some of the, the Stone Cold closers. So... You're, I don't know what to do with Dan Fusey, you know, based on what happened last time out. He just, he really stopped so badly. They went quick in the second, in second kind of third quarters there, and that just did him in. I, I would have loved to see him finish a little bit better, but I, I can see this have, as you mentioned a few different times, being, you know, he can get out front, and if he slows things down and relax, there doesn't seem to be that much other pace in here. Yeah, no, he could be dangerous. The Brad Cox barn hasn't really got things going up to the capabilities that we are accustomed to see him, but it's third off the layoff. You, they switched to Luis Saez. I don't know if Joel Rosario opted. A little bit of musical jockeys here yeah, simply had Rosario. A lot, a lot on Saturday. You see a lot of <laughs> yeah. this on Saturday for sure. Yeah, you never know the stories with with the situations. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see using Dan Fusey in there as well. He's a price. If he, if he yeah, was, he's 8-1. You know, if he's 5-1 to one or over, I'm okay with him. You know, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't love the, you know, you obviously don't want to use him if he's going to get hammered down, if he's the price like he was last time out, but he doesn't project to be that way in this field. So yeah, I don't mind using, uh, using him with that kind of speed if he's five, six to one, but the, I'll probably play two different tickets, how I generally do. And I'm going to play one ticket where I single Mo ready right off the bat. And then I'll play one where I'm going to use most of the horses that we just talked about. You know, I'll throw in Dan Fusey, I'll throw in simply, I'll throw in, um, Albie, maybe even Bourbon Bay from the rail first time turf on like a deeper ticket. Um, so yeah, this is a race where like I, w- I was trying to get to Jack the Cat, but I think maybe drawn towards the outside, I could see him un- un- underneath. Yeah, that's I, I a just, tough post in that quick yeah. run into the one mile. That last mm-hmm. couple races are mile and a 16th at Belmont. Totally different trip, but yeah, I had John Doyle on my podcast this morning, and he mentioned the uh, the optics. I know you're a big big supporter yep. of those guys as well, and uh, they had a note that this horse, uh, they thought this horse was going to be a turf horse, and hasn't tried the turf yet. Mark Henning, I know, 
over his last 44 with his first time runners on the grass, but that'll only help the price. So could get mm-hmm. a good trip at a big price. We actually have uh, on the same show you're on uh, that's going to be released um, late Thursday. Emily's Emily Gullickson's on with us talking about Woodbine for the weekend because I got a big uh, weekend up at Woodbine and she covers the races up there too. So right. yeah, yeah, we always we'll always uh, give some love to to Optics and the folks over there, uh, Optics EQ. Let's get to the first of the the couple of solid stakes races here. We're gonna have. Back-to-back heavy favorites, it looks like First, we're going to have the Saratoga Derby Where you have some quality three-year-olds on the grass in here We have to start the conversation with Decorated Invader Because he's done so little wrong in his career He's won three consecutive races so far this year He's perfect in 2020 He's got a big late kick He's been in some smaller fields lately So he's probably had to sit a little closer than he wants to But for a short price favorite You do have a question in that He's never been quite this far So you wonder sometimes going a little bit farther Will he have the same turn of foot But um, I mean he's quality And this is not an easy field for him Scott He's got to face a couple other quality animals Gufo is not bad, Colonel Liam is interesting I mean I like field passing here I'll talk uh, more about him in a, a little bit So this isn't the easiest of spots For a quality horse like Decorated Invader no, definitely not. I think I would argue it's his toughest race since the Breeders' Cup Jubilee Tournament. 100%. Where yep. I think he was best that day, even though he finished fourth. He's hard to knock because he's really done very little wrong. He lost a field pass in the, in the debut, uh, finishing second in a strong field of nine, and then just that Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. But I think, and the one thing I like about him is he's, he's tactical. He can, he can mm-hmm. come from well out of it, or he can sit second or third like he did in his last couple starts. But... He's really not faster than these horses, and he hasn't really developed this year. So I definitely think if you're someone that's that's price sensitive, you're going to want to maybe consider either taking a chance against him or using several in terms of a pick five. Especially Um, with the way this pick five stacks up because you've got him and you've got Swiss Skydiver in the race coming next up. And they're both going to be heavy favorites. So in in my opinion, the way that I'm approaching this race, I think you got to take a swing against one of them. You don't. I, I don't like playing tickets, especially because I'm going to play a ticket where you know I might be singling Mo Ready early on, who will probably end up going off at like five to two or even shorter after people watch the replays. So I don't want to be locked in or or have an opportunity when I'm playing a pick five where it goes you know probably chalk 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 and it very easily could. I I think they're both a little vulnerable. I I really do. Um, Me too. In, in here, I think so. That doesn't mean I'm going to chuck them both. Out, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm won't be singling either one of them. Is how I'm trying to say it, and it's a really stupid way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, well, me too. And I think that Malmo Ready is is a is going to be the favorite, most likely. You would assume, and, and maybe a considerable one at five to two or so. I think that's a race where people are going to spread. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of people are going to go. At, you know, combination you of play it being a full in, field in the in the spreads because people will all be spreading. It won't be like a single in ticket. So he'll probably right, be overlaid in the multis, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I think you'll have a contrarian approach if you single Mo Ready and then spread a little bit in the two stakes races, uh, even if you decide to include both favorites in that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I think Get Smoking will clearly be on the lead from the outside. Whether Luis Saez is as aggressive as um, Jose Ortiz was last time remains to be seen. But I think you got Colonel Liam, who uh, has the upside, will be sitting second in this race, really seemed to take to the turf last time out. But this is certainly a class check. You know, I'm against field pass. I know you said you like him. And uh, it's not as if I don't think he can win. I expect him to take a little money from that 6-1 to one line. But he's just had everything his way the last two starts. And I don't like to discredit horses that have a nose for the wire. But two neck victories against Lester, in my opinion. Then he got an easy lead in a mile and an eighth race at Audubon when he 
basically burned, for lack of a better uh, verb, yeah. uh, a horse out of the gate, made an easy lead. And I thought Bama Breeze was the best horse that day. I'll talk about in a second. But And then last time, just got that perfect turf trip, saved ground early, angled out under Ricardo Santana Jr., and won a blanket finish. Now, like I said, the nose for the wire is something I never like to, to discredit. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Bama Breeze at, at two and a half times the price is the one that you want to consider betting. And he, maybe even from a vertical standpoint, key in, in underneath or in all spots in the trifecta. This horse has just not had things his way. The confidence from Rusty Arnold. This horse is a one-time winner, and he keeps putting him in stakes events instead of, you know, through his conditions. You know, war, the War Chan, he didn't have a good trip. The Audubon, he was against the flow of the race, like I mentioned, into the field pa- uh, to field pass. And the Transylvania, he got stopped midway through and never got a fair shake and still lost by just a length and a quarter. So at a big price, I think Bama Breeze is a horse you want to make sure you use in all your wagers uh, in this race. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to use Bama Breeze um, on, on the tickets, especially those tickets where I'm singling with uh... – Right off the bat And for me, Decorated Invader You know, I'll, I'll again, I feel very similar to, to how you said, I have no knocks On him, he just doesn't feel to me Like a horse who For what I think will be an overwhelming Favorite in here, he doesn't seem To tower over this field that much On paper it, for a, just, yeah. just on numbers and figures alone Generally, when you get a horse who's going to be That sort of a price, they have this standout Speed figure advantage, and that's just not the case At all in here and and so I'm completely okay with looking to horses that you like Bahama Breeze, like you mentioned. I like Field Pass, and I think the, some of the reason why I like Field Pass is because he's gotten me a few times. Like I've tried to beat him a few times. Oh, before, he's got you know? me. I'm, he's I'm gotten me maybe. just a few, <laughs> for the same reasons where I've been like, ah, you know what? He got a good trip, or maybe he's not quite as good as this group, or whatever. So he just has sort of made me a little bit of a believer because he's four of his last five, just like you said. And his lone loss came to the horse who, who's a horse who's pretty nice and just won the La Jolla. So, um, and what's cool is he's actually. He's one over-decorated invader, bomb a breeze, and get smoking. You can definitely argue that in a couple of those, he was not the best horse. But for some reason, like you said, some horses just find trouble, and other horses do the opposite. They find ways to win. He's been one of those types. So I'll, I'll be using him. Colonel Liam, I think there's too much upside to not uh, not to use him in this spot, too. And then uh, even Clement said he thought Gufo. He said yeah. he felt more comfortable that Gufo would be better going longer. That doesn't mean he wins this than, than Decorated Invader. Doesn't mean he wins this race, but said he felt like he's more of a horse who starts to get going and can probably keep going even more. Yeah, Gufo is probably a must use, although the lack of speed is a little concerning. But yeah. I, if I like Bama Breeze, I'm probably supposed to use Gufo as well. And and even domestic spending, who had a lot of run late uh, last time out, has been on the rail three straight starts. I know those are two turn races, or other than Belmont, not the end of the world to be on the rail. But maybe just getting a little outside will be more comfortable or more forwardly placed. But yeah, very interesting race, despite mm-hmm. there being a seven to five favorite, I think. Yeah, g- agree. It's more wide open to the both of us th- than what the line uh, would indicate and what the betting will Probably um, will probably suggest So let's get to the grade one Alabama Mile and a quarter for the three year old Phillies And we have the head and shoulders Top of the division Swiss skydiver who was, was kind of funny I, I was reading an article um, on, on DRF and the uh, the Owner here Peter Callahan They had talked about how they're, they're most Likely not going to run this Philly in the Derby even though she has enough points if she wanted To go in the Derby and face the boys and he, he Kind of took a little shot at Gamin and said Hey we're going to go to the Oaks bring on Gamin so he's already nice. taking, taking some shots at Gamin um, Before the Alabama Even and I'm a little Concerned with her 
Because I'm looking In January she's at Tampa In February she's at Fairgrounds In March she's at Gulfstream In May the beginning she's at Oaklawn Then she's at Santa Anita Then she's at Keeneland She faces the boys last time out In a really tough race Where she had to dig down for the first time in a while and And she was bested Did that tough race take something out of her You add that to all of the travel And now she's gonna go a mile and a quarter Here at a racetrack where That that last furlong Sometimes even feels like more Than a furlong I I think this might be a really nice spot If they're looking towards the Oaks Even as the, the big one And maybe they're not quite as worried about This race and this is just the next spot along The way I, I'm gonna take a swing against her I'm gonna use a couple horses I'm, I'm not gonna use her yeah, I mean, A, it's a very odd If the goal is the Kentucky Oaks This is not, in my opinion, a very good decision To, to come to the Alabama And run in a mile and a quarter She's just done so much that. You don't yeah. need to do She's done so much this year already she, and, But I understand when, you're, when your animal is good And going good This is a grade one for 500000 right. You know, This isn't like a, a, an allowance prep That they're, they're going in So I completely understand it It's just I'm worried it's going to catch up with her at some point All of the work she's done All the travel, she's been so good There are a couple nice Up and coming fillies in this race Yeah, no doubt, and then the other concern is Does she get caught up with Crystal Ball Who's drawn towards the inside exactly. and, and, and some speed, so they could go uh, A little a little quicker than maybe Swiss Skydiver and Tyler Gaffley on one Or maybe they stalk and, you know It doesn't work out as well, but um you know, there's a couple horses in here that I think are, are worth uh, discussing. The top pick for me is going to be Spice is Nice. Um, yep. This is a $1.05 million Keeneland September 2018 purchase, just regally bred. Curlin, uh, by Dame, out of Dame Dorothy, who was a stud in her own right. Uh, stud is kind of probably not the right word, but yeah. <laughs> Superstar in her own right, yeah. Uh, but there's th- this horse has the look and the pedigree to go long and longer. Uh, ignore that fact that the only one, two-turn race um, was a failure because she was just never comfortable that day. She just didn't take to the to the surface at Gulfstream. It happened. She, I know she got she's really good sick race. too. Todd had said it afterward. It was just she might have yeah. even been before the race. It just everything didn't really go well for her that day. It's a complete toss. Right, and I think she grew up uh, with the time off. She maybe grew into herself a little because she was very impressive at Belmont. It's a one-turn mile and a 16th, so it's a different game. She had an outside stalking trip. But I think Johnny V can sit the pocket in this race, hopefully, uh, off of Swiss Skydiver and Crystal Ball and get and get really uh, get first run on them. And then maybe a little bit of a bigger prices in here. You have Bonnie South, who uh, makes the second start of the form cycle for um, – Brad Cox was versed the, versus against the flow uh, in the race with Speech and Venetian Harbor, the Ashland, where they basically lined up one, two, and Speech just got much the best of Venetian Harbor. No one from the back of the pack yeah. really had any chance. I thought Anvutant uh, was a little bit unimpressive that day sitting third, but I, I can excuse that for Bonnie South. And then, I, you know, I've heard from a couple people I really respect that Harvey's Little Goyle is a turf horse, but I think she's a good horse. Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. You know, yeah, I mean, she she was she was probably second best in the regret on turf, but ran huge. Crystal Cliffs is a very nice runner, but I mean, I just could toss that fantasy. She was absolutely brutal trip into that first turn, never got a fair shake in there, and other than that, has been very good on the distance. No races. concerns. I think she yep. can run all day. I'm not worried about her getting the mile and a quarter. And I completely agree. Those are the the three horses you mentioned are the three that I'm going to use trying to beat um, Swiss Skydiver. I'm going to use Spices Nice, Bonnie South, and Harvey's Little Goyle. And I like Crystal Ball a little bit, but I'm just 
the way that I'm envisioning this race, I don't, I can't see her winning. I can see her making it very tough for Swiss Skydiver and the two of them battling. And what I'm hoping is Spice is nice sitting right behind that. But the way I'm envisioning it, I don't know if she's going to be able to clear Swiss Skydiver. If she does and Swiss Skydiver sits just off, that'll probably be a great trip for Swiss Skydiver. So I just, I have a, I have a tough time seeing. Crystal ball getting the trip she needs Those other three that you mentioned Those are the three I'm using I'll be using two, four, six Yeah I think that's the way to go in here Not that Swiss Skydiver can't win um, I, I don't think Crystal Ball is fast enough I really don't for these I, I think A she, I don't think she's fast enough And B I don't see any way she sets a, a moderate early tempo She's going to mm-hmm. have the classy Philly Drawn to her outside Should be stalking her Or should be maybe even is, might, might even be Swiss Skydiver might even be faster than her to the lead if she yeah. wants to with the class, and that would really hurt Crystal Ball. So I'm against Crystal Ball. Not that that's that crazy of a, an opinion at nine to two on the line, but it is a Bob Baffert horse that probably will take a little bit of money. Yep, I'll, I'll be I'll be two four six in here in uh, the Alabama. Which yeah, so we, we look at we we've talked a few times uh, you know over the last couple months, and there were stakes races that you just kind of had to. Like uh, just kind of groan and say, okay, well, we really can't get past them this weekend. In the two big ones, I, it really does look like they're beatable. Um, I, I wouldn't tell you to completely chuck both of them out, but I'm gonna toss Swiss Skydiver. I think she's vulnerable, and I think they're both a, a little bit vulnerable. So that, as a better going into a pick five like that, win or lose, or even if they win, you feel much better about about your ticket and your approach. Yeah, it's just more exciting for me to wait and just to wake up Absolutely. when I'm against the favorite as opposed to being for it. I know some people love rooting for the big horses and feel more confident when they're singling those type of horses. I'd rather, I'd much rather get up and know that I'm in in, a, in with a chance to, you know, a real a chance where I feel like I can hit a big one as opposed to, you know, the opposite. Hundred percent, rather be be chucking them out. So we move to uh, past the graded stakes race, and then to race number ten. Couple uh, last two legs of the pick five sequence. So this one they'll be going five and a half furlongs on the turf. We have New York Breads non twos, optional forties. I guess I'll start with the eight Royal Asset because I just think he's going to get a massive jock upgrade. You mentioned uh, something like this earlier, and I think with Tyler jumping aboard um, compared to. Who he's been, who he's had aboard in the last probably five races. I just feel like he's going to get a much better trip. He ran well in defeat last time out, and he was honestly, I feel like if Tyler was up, he probably ends up winning that race. Just a little bit better finishing down the lane. He he just was he was in a spot, and then he kind of lost a little bit of ground in some and in, in, in a length or two, and he, he was kind of start stop too much with just a smoother, better, more relaxed trip. I think he's going to be be good in here. I think he'll give you a good account of himself. I'd probably, you know, the two we always talk about Maker off the claim, and this is Maker on the claim back, and he's putting this one in a spot where he's protected, which I think you know speaks a lot. Um, probably Maxwell Esquire. Those would be the three that I guess I I sort of start with in here, and probably look to build around in this race. I am against Royal Asset on top. Uh, one for the last 15, 0 for 6 at Saratoga, 6 seconds and thirds. I thought last time I saw it a little differently. Granted, the start and stop, but he was handed that race when uh, I thought when uh, Bustin' Shout, who was the horse that ended up winning, was on the lead. Uh, got in a weird spot. Uh, the favorite, Dallas's Beach, who was behind Bustin' Shout. Rod Ortiz, Jose Ortiz's brother, was on. Got in a tough spot. Rod Ortiz actually screamed. Jose stopped riding for a minute. 
and Royal Asset took the lead, and then Bustin Shout came back. I, I just think Royal Asset has lost his will to win, and he's an eight-year-old gelding. I think he'll run his race. Um, but it does look like there's a, quite a few horses in here that uh, like to be on, you know, right on the lead or right, you know, not, it's not going to be real fast, but it should be contentious. You have Call Me Harry off the bench. You've got New York's Finest with Irad Ortiz and Rudy Rodriguez, four for six at Saratoga. That one is one I'll use, but out of the other horses I'm going to use, I, I am going to be on the other two that you like, Masquel Esquire, Rosario, and Clement, this one. The rail never ideal for these five and a half for a long turf sprints, but yeah. if anybody can work off that off the pace trip, it's Rosario. And then you mentioned Shiraz. That was a pretty impressive effort last time, mm-hmm. Matt. And you get to, like you said, the maker reclaim two straight wins. Hard to leave this one off, Gino. Yep, yep. So yeah, I, I do think the the one and two in here, we both kind of feel like they're they're must use horses. I like the eight a little bit more than you. I'm going to give him an opportunity and and just hope that some of his uh, poor poor efforts and and those minor awards for few starts back were maybe because uh, he just was not quite as well meant from a, a jock perspective. So yeah, this was. Uh, I didn't love this race. I'll probably end up using a couple others on uh, the the ticket that I single to. Maybe even New York's finest with our Irad jumping aboard. He might be able to either get this one right close to the lead or sit just off. He just you know when he he jumps aboard, he seems to be so good at, at figuring out the right the the magic touch. So yeah, I just not the strongest opinion any here. This will be like at least a three, four, or five spread out race for me that'll be using uh in the tenth. Because when we moved to the 11th, man, I needed Brico last time out. Oh, gosh. In a couple different exotics. And he just it was sitting a great trip, and he loomed up, and he just had no no real excuses. He was in between horses, and he was still second. And, I mean, you look at this race, and he's absolutely a horse I, I'm going to use, and he's going to be right there again. But he, when, you, when you have a horse like this last time, and you needed him, and I singled him against, you know, another short price favorite, and it was in a good spot, and just I, I, I hate coming back with him like this, but he'll be awesome. Right he'll be right there. I do think Brickyard is the is yeah. the interesting horse to throw in, and another one who I'm expecting to get a jock upgrade. He's going to go second off. He stretches out two sprints to a route. So for me, I'm I'm definitely going to be throwing him in with uh, Rico. I'll throw a couple others in here. Who are some of uh, the horses that stand out to you in this eleventh? Well, I five the two on the line. I, I've seen enough of Brico. I, I thought he should have won the last race. Operative. Really should have. He should have. Never hit the board in three starts going into that race. He should have outfinished that horse. I, I don't see, you know, that was second start of the form cycle. I, I've seen enough to to take a chance against him at that price. I think Brickard, you mentioned at 15 1 on the line, is a must use. If you're spreading number one perfect banker, yep. Yep. drops in class, you get Carmouche, should be prominently placed. I'm going to use that one. I'm going to use Michael's bad boy. Um, comes out of an okay race, a maiden claiming 40. The second place starter uh, runner had a number of chances, but did come back and dominate a maiden claiming 20 field. Mitch Ryan faced uh, better today. Uh, today being Thursday, sorry about that. Uh, and then high tone and mommy's jewel make some sense from the outside. You know, you get two mm-hmm. horses that look like they could battle each other, but when you have Joel Rosario and Irad Ortiz Jr., that's just not really what they do. I expect at least one of them to try to relax their horse. Maybe Perfect Banker even makes the lead. Yep. We've seen in these two turn turf races in New York, the pace is often not as hot as we expect, and it benefits horses that are prominently placed. So I would probably use both of those just in case. Perfect Banker, Brickyard, and Michael's Bad Boy. But a very tough race. I'm going to take on the favorite and hope for the best. Hope I get there with some of these beaten favorites, and I can beat one more. 
Yeah, and literally the six horses that we just discussed that you had mentioned, I'm going to probably use. And the reason, normally in a situation like this closing, when I'm spreading out, I would be tossing Brico too. I think because I'm not going to be using Swiss Skydiver, if I get to this point, I'd like to have him on my ticket. Peace of mind. Yeah, you know, like... And that's a lot of what it has to be And in particular because I'm going to be using horses Along with and against decorated invader too So if there's a situation where Hey I get I get Mo home in, in the first And I can beat a couple heavy chalks I definitely want to have All of the logical horses in this last spot And I think they're the ones that you mentioned It would be one perfect banker with some speed From the inside, the three Brickyard The four Brico, the six Michael's Bad Boy And then the speeds of Mommy's Jewel And High Tone could see either one of them Getting getting the lead or a perfect banker Gets the lead, they could be sitting 2-3 They could all be very close So yeah, I'll, I'll be spreading And I can do that because I'm going to go you know, uh, Single right off the bat and it'll just give you an opportunity to turn this thing into a pick four You know, you're going to play against Swiss Skydiver So when you know that, you know this ticket, if it's going to hit, it's it's going to play okay I feel a little bit better if I have to spend a, a little bit extra on it Because bigger investment, that's fine I know it's going to come back bigger if it hits I mean, if what we just suggested uh, comes through, you know, it, it, it's going to be a good day Because <laughs> yeah. Bricko or no Bricko, being mm-hmm. both morning line favorites in the stakes races, people are going to lean on them. Sure, Mo Reddy and Bricko could bring it down a little bit, and and I, I understand the Mo Reddy single in there. I, I definitely think he's the likeliest winner. Not sure exactly how I'm going to approach the ticket, but I know I'm going to be hoping for no chalk all the way through. And and when you get no chalk all the way through a pick five, they pay massive no matter what the other results are. Scott Shapiro. Appreciate you jumping on uh, each and every time we ask. We we put out the bat signal. You're always there for us. Uh, give a give the folks out there your plugs. Let us know what you're working on the next few days and where can we find it and hear from you and uh and let everybody know about the uh, the Who Do You Like podcast. You mentioned uh, a guest earlier, but give us your plugs. Yeah, uh, Twitter fo- Twitter's the best place to uh, follow everything I'm doing at Scott Shap 34. Uh, right now, I'm writing on both the Twin Spires and Bed America blogs uh, for the next couple of weeks, mostly Saratoga stuff. We'll do a little Pacific Classic next week. The podcast that I host is the Who Do You Like podcast, mostly comes out on Thursdays. Uh, the new one came out uh, this morning, Thursday morning. I had John Doyle from Optics EQ. Next week, I'll have Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ, a little double header. And you're having Emily, it sounds like, on this one, mm-hmm. which is great. And uh, yeah, as we approach Kentucky Derby uh, time and the church. Churchill Downs September meeting. Uh, I'll be on the Churchill Downs simulcast feed. You can get my picks every day of the Churchill Downs meeting on churchilldowns.com along with my colleagues Joe Christofek and Ed DeRosa. And uh, looking forward to the uh, Derby. It's going to be weird uh, first Saturday in September, but uh, we love this time of year here in Louisville. It's one of the best parts, if not the best part of living here. I've been here a couple years and uh yeah looking forward to it and continue doing the great work you know yeah sometimes we'll agree sometimes our opinions will be different but it's always a blast i always respect the work you put in i uh, appreciate the conversations man it's it's funny it's like i'm starting to feel old now because we uh we you and i linked up really for the most part on social media and got in touch and i remember coming down and doing a seminar with you at del mar and then when we had had our shows we started coming on but now it's definitely been a a few years at least since we've been talking a good amount so i always appreciate talking with you and it's a blast uh, conversing about the races, man. You have a great weekend. You too, bud. Thanks for having me. That is Scott Shapiro. You heard all the ways you can follow along with Scott. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on That's What G Said. 
Thank you to our buddy Scott Shapiro for that Saratoga Saturday Pick 5 analysis. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at a couple different tickets, and one of them, as I mentioned, I will be singling right off the bat in race number 7 with the 6, and I'll end up probably looking to, to, you know, spread out after that. And so, you know, if you you single right off the bat in race number 7 with Mo Reddy, and you turn the page to race number 8, it'll give you the opportunity to, to go a little deeper. I can go... You know, one, two, five, six, seven in there, and, and then in race number nine, I'm gonna be chucking Swiss Skydiver. I'm gonna use Spices Nice, Bonnie South, and the six. Harvey's little Goyle. It'll be two, four, six for me. I could be talked into using Crystal Ball. The approach is just gonna be, you know, I think Swiss Di- Skydiver, as we mentioned with Scott, all the travel. Now the distance, she faced the boys, she's been doing it every time, every different racetrack, and maybe Crystal Ball just is a nuisance to her, and Spice is Nice sits right behind. Two, four, six for me there. Give us the opportunity to spread out. Use, you know, one, two, four, five, eight in in race number ten there. You know, one, two, four, five, eight. In a race that I don't really love And then it'll give us the chance to close things out With 1, 3, 4, 6, 8, and 9 And maybe I play a backup ticket Where I come back and I single field pass on 1 And then I can go deeper in race number 7 And I can go something like 1, 5, 6, 7, 11 with 6 With 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 And maybe you throw in Swiss Skydiver on that one And you go 1, 2, 8, and 3, 4, 6 and shorten up and that would be my backup ticket But the one I like the most would be singling right off the bat With Mo Ready And then giving giving myself an opportunity To try and beat Swiss Skydiver And uh, and have a nice little ticket here So good luck on Saturday Over at Saratoga Last week at Saratoga We saw Tis the Law win the Travers He's going to be your heavy Kentucky Derby favorite And they've got tons of different Tis the Law t-shirts, hats Swag over at OldSmokeClothing.com are you a big horse racing fan? Uh, you know, there aren't a bunch of stores in the mall we can just walk through and we have tons of horse racing stuff. At You know, at the, the, the sporting goods store, we can see all sorts of basketball, baseball, football, but we don't generally have tons of racing stuff out there unless you're at a, a gift shop at a local track. Well, check out oldsmokeclothing.com. T-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long-sleeve shirts, zip-ups, hats. They have... You know, slogans of catchphrases, big races, nicknames for horses. They have custom designing there. Show the horse racing fan in you. When you use the promo code GINO, you'll get free shipping. So it'll give you a little added incentive if you, you know, you're hearing what Old Smoke is, you've never checked it out before. Go give it a look. OldSmokeClothing.com. Show that horse racing fan in you. Use the promo code GINO for no shipping from. Saratoga over to Woodbine. We talk with Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ about the races at Woodbine. We go over all of the Woodbine stakes races for Saturday. So get those past performances out for Saturday, August the 15th. We talk about race number three at Woodbine. Then we skip to race number seven and we discuss races seven, eight, nine, and ten. So discussion of uh, all five of those stakes races there at Woodbine on Saturday. Enjoy the conversation with Emily We're in the middle of the summer racing calendar So we're talking a lot of Saratoga A lot of Del Mar But this weekend, we have a big weekend 
Coming up at Woodbine And one of our favorite people to talk horse racing with Is Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ And Emily this works out very nicely Because you cover Woodbine on a, a daily basis now This is a really it, How long have you been covering Woodbine on, Like almost daily, a couple years now? Um, at least three years At least awesome. three years Yeah, so uh, and that's full seasons I've watched every horse that's run In every mm-hmm. single race, have a note for it um, Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a really kind of different meet. It kind of suits my style as far as taking notes and handicapping the races. Um, I really like it. I I love the racing up at Woodbine. So we have a, a really cool card this weekend. We're gonna get the Woodbine Oaks. We're gonna get the Plate Trial, and then we have a couple other graded stakes races. Where it, it's funny because when if you're someone that doesn't look at Woodbine often, or you just check in here and there, it, it almost it's like a different world. Really mm-hmm. you have so many horses up there That are just kind of staying up there And you forget about them maybe because they're on their synthetic Or they've been running in grass races But not in maybe the big deep Grade 1 grass races down here There's some quality quality animals And one of the cooler horses in racing Pink Lloyd who we'll get to talk about in just a minute Like one of the better horses that nobody nobody talks about So I, I thought this card was was really fun. I think there are some vulnerable favorites and and some races that we can maybe take swings against one. And I actually think we're going to go through the stakes races. So if you're following along with the past performances, we're going to start with race number three on Saturday, August the 15th up at Woodbine, which is the dance smartly. And then we're going to move to races seven, eight, nine, and 10, which are the, uh, the stakes races later in the card. So in the, the dance smartly, it's the grade two. They're going to be going a mile and a quarter here. These are Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. We'd imagine uh, Etoile, from the inside for Chad Brown is going to take a ton of money uh, She came in for The gamely back in May And she, she really didn't just just Didn't really fire She I didn't see a ton of excuses She probably wants to go a little bit longer uh, it, it, Maybe I just I thought she was a horse that I could play against I didn't I don't need her in, in this spot yeah, I, I actually saw it. Usually we see things like almost eye mm-hmm. to eye. So um, this is like going to be like maybe the first time that we're going to kind of see it a little bit different. Nice. So cool. <laughs> I know a rare occasion. Um, yeah, I thought going into the Gamely, you know, Santa Anita is another one of the tracks that I follow. Going into the Gamely, I thought that she really, you know, she stood out as far mm-hmm. as her, her class from overseas and naturally was the favorite that day as she should have been. And I just, I don't think she got the trip that she needed. She took some contact early and shuffled back after the start. And she just raced inside and well off the pace. She showed some late run. Um, but over that course at that period of time, that type of trip was just not winning at Santa Anita. So I know it's it's looking like, you know, there's not that much of ex- an excuse, but there is one that was just kind of built in. And you just see how the way that race played out. It was just against her. Um, Bodicita came back um, ha- and has won since um, a couple well, times, I believe, what, most recent. Sometimes and, that's a, a Joel thing too, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He does yeah, like yeah. to take horses a little too far back with some of the deep closers because I think he gets confident in his ability to close and to finish, and sometimes he gets a little too confident in it. Right, and I think it, a lot of it was situational that she, you know, she can come off the pace, but she doesn't need to be that far back. And that early trouble, and I think just him not riding there at Santa Anita that much during that period of time, um, you know, he was, I think he was pretty much at Oakland primarily, mm-hmm. um, just not really understanding that turf course to where you really did need to be somewhat forwardly placed and, and closing was just not happening. So, yeah, I think that there was just kind of a combination of factors to where she could definitely rebound from that. And she has the class And I just, I think, you know, in this spot I mean, if she doesn't win It's 
really anybody else. I mean, it's really hard for me to kind of go through and, and separate the other runners. I had, yeah, for me, the, the two that I would, I would use and I would look towards and, and maybe just play who was the better price of the two would be between Romantic Pursuit and Elizabeth Way. Um, I don't know if Elizabeth Way is, really wants to go quite this far. Um, Romantic Pursuit is interesting to me a little bit, this filly. So last time out, she chased um, Lone Speed. She was the only horse who really made up any ground at all. The top two were basically one, two all the way around. And, uh, and then two starts back, she was in a race at, at Churchill Downs on June the 6th. Uh, the winner of that day, Gentle Ruler, won next out. And that horse has won eight of the last ten, including two graded stakes. Vexatious was in that race, who came back to finish second in the Ruffian behind Monomoy Girl, and then won the personal ensign, beating Midnight Bisu. The fourth-place finisher came back to win a stakes race at Ellis. So I think that was just a pretty strong race in general that uh, Pursuit is coming out of. And I feel like... She doesn't. She's kind of similar to a twelve. I don't. I just don't think she needs to be nearly as far back as she was last time out. I just don't know what this pace is going to look like. Who Who do you have, or some of the optics projections have up front early? Yeah, it's it's not. It, it's kind of a, a different pace scenario to where um, there's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, this distance obviously kind of changes things. But in terms of having kind of early speed, I mean. Two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's... Are, are are really similar, like in terms of like their speed and their running style. So it'll be kind of a jockey's race in terms of you know where they kind of position. But um, you know they should, in some sense of pace, should be honest enough, right? Because um, you, you could know, see, like, like you said, you could see it going just like you said, where maybe everyone's looking and going, okay, there's not that much. Speed, but there are a bunch of pressing types. Maybe the two, right, three, four, right. five, six all are putting each other in a like a not comfortable spot, and then Etois is able to just track nicely from behind and swoop them. I mean, that could be right. I mean, I, w- I would imagine you know, Elizabeth Way just watching Emma over this course. I mean, she's been probably the most effective um, throughout this meet, putting horses on the lead, and so she's kind of giving, giving herself that name uh, or that kind of recognition as far as having that style and it, and it worked out last time out. So I think they'll go the same way. And then again, you know, you kind of everybody else that wants to be one or two lengths off that pace, which, you know, can make it kind of quick when they all sort of have mm-hmm. that style. Yeah. And it, it, so we, we generally look for the ones in the past performances all the time, but it's not always that easy, right? Correct. Like, sometimes yes. it's the pressers that they all get caught up and they're, they're in a pace that they don't really want instead of able to, to track a little bit. When horses are asked to do things they don't want or they don't normally do, that's when it will kind of fall apart or we'll see something kind of weird happen. And and yeah, that, that may be the case here. This is this is a fun race. Um, I, I I you know you have to definitely start and look with the trois and how you're going to play this race from a wagering standpoint. But um, if you want to take a shot there, a couple others that you can maybe think could get a tactical advantage and maybe get the jump on trois. So uh, we'll skip from race three to later on in the card where the uh, the graded stakes pick back up, and that is in race number seven with the grade three bold venture. In this race. Emily, this is one of the cooler horses in training that we very rarely hear about. Uh, this is a seven-time graded stakes winner, a horse who is 24 for 29, has run all 29 races up at Woodbine on the synthetic, and has 21 stakes wins. This is a horse who's earned $1.4 million. That is Pink Lloyd here, who, just a really cool horse. You look at, you, you look down and you just see a horse who always shows up. They know where this guy fits. They know his niche. He wants to sprint, go from six to seven furlongs. They don't try to get cute and stretch him out. You wonder sometimes because he's been so successful, 
if maybe it would be you know worth taking a shot on dirt or maybe even in a, a, a Breeders' Cup situation or a prep against better. But he, you know, we want to get greedy and we want to tell people what to do with their horses. But they've done a great job with this guy. He just keeps winning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think placement has been the key with him. Um, and and again, I mean, it's funny you mentioned like his record, but this is kind of the one race that stymied him the last two mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had an excuse when he broke through the gate in 2018 and then last time out broke slow and kind of was in a tangle and ended up being, you know, declared a non-starter. So I think in some ways, you know, this is sort of a race that they want some redemption in. But also at the same time, it comes up, you know, tougher. This is just sort of what we've seen Pink Lloyd in the past where he gets away from the overnight stakes or the smaller fields and, and has to get tested. And again, we talk about pace in race number three. I mean, the pace in here, I, I went through this race so much and eventually I just kind of like gave up trying to decipher the pace because it's inscrutable. You don't have any E or EP type runners. So, you know, I don't know who's going to make the lead. If it turns out to be Pink Lloyd, he could be vulnerable. That's not really a trip that he wants. You know, he kind of likes to sock. That's that's just how he does things. Um, but he's quick enough that it just might sort of like he might just have to fall in the lead. In Malibu Secret, you you would think maybe they would try to do that. A couple of these other horses, uh, Magical Man, you think probably his best bet would be to send. But both those horses, like, they don't have to. So it comes down to, like, who is going to make the lead? And then and then the picture is just sort of, like, it's so muddied after that. Like, I could, you know, I could sort of make a case for all of these horses. I mean, obviously, Pink Lloyd, like, wouldn't be any surprise, but it's going to be a super short price. So I, after kind of giving up in terms of pace, I just went back to, like, all right, who's in form? Who's got the speed figures? Who's got the class to kind of compete at this level? And ended up landing on Olympic runner. It's a horse I followed, you know, obviously the last last season um, uh, here at Woodbine ran really great races. And even coming back this season, sneaky well, coming off the layoff around two turns, that was a better than look race, came closing against the headwind that day on a pace setting rival. And then last time out just kind of moved wide a little bit early. So um, I just think he's coming into this race the right way and having race and you know, again, it's another race, like in race three. I mean, you could, you know, there's not a lot that separates these horses. And so um, that's just sort of where I'm landing. But it's it's hard, it was hard for me with this race to um, have a lot of confidence um, kind of overall. Yeah, I, I think I would that, would, that would be my other horse. If you're trying to beat Pink Floyd, there would be two for me. And I think they would be kind of the next logical two. It would be uh, Olympic runner who's getting back to the synthetic. And I just think... You know, I use White Flag as the total wild card in here as the as the horse who, I, at least I think, has the class to compete with with Pink Floyd. And I can look through some of his races and and build some excuses. So he's going to try the synthetic for the first time. Last time out, he had a good start, but then he got outrun a little bit. It was in um, a, a turf sprint where they went pretty quick. They went forty three and changed to the half mile. He, then he, he just got outrun after that good start He was back to last on the inside About 7-8 lengths off And he kept inside He ended up just miss, missing fourth It wasn't bad since it was his first try in nine months And it was probably against a better overall group Than he's going to be facing in this spot If you toss the September 7th race at Kentucky It's one of those weird tracks Some horses like it, some don't And that was a, a race that was sandwiched by a couple layoffs I think he's the maybe the other horse from the outside. I don't have any concerns about six and a half for him. It's just, you know, how how is he going to take to the ship? How is he going to take to the synthetic? And it doesn't hurt that the Clement Bond has been really rolling over at Saratoga and sending out, you know, tons and tons of live horses. I just 
I would prefer a little bit more than three to one. I would like, you know, I would like the price on Olympic Runner on White Flag. Unfortunately, you're probably not going to get that because I think they're probably the two other logical horses other than Pink Floyd. But yeah, if you're looking to beat the favorite, I think we do have a couple swings you could take here in the seventh. You know, one thing, uh, a couple things I'll mention about White Flag. So he was entered on July 11th to run at a seven furlong in the um, Grade Two Connacht. Cup. I'm sure I'm butch. Thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> was the Stewart scribe. So this spot here um, is is sort of like their second option, right? Because that he wasn't mm-hmm. able to run that day, so they're just kind of running here because you know he needs a race and he needs to run. Um, so there's kind of that concern just in terms of like intention, right? Obviously, sure. this being a second choice. And then the other issue that again, I was I was I was going through this and really trying to understand pace was what kind of trip is he going to get? Because yeah. he's drawn outside and, you know, maybe he has some speed coming out of those shorter races and from the turf. So being on the outside post, you kind of have one or two options. It's like, you've got to go and get into the race, right? Otherwise you, you're going to get kind of um, maybe caught wide. So perhaps that's a tactic, but I, I almost feel like Contreras is going to take back and because he's on the outside, which means he's going to give up a lot of ground early um, and then maybe it's just too much ground because we don't have, you know, a, a, a lot of pace, pace centers mm-hmm. in here. So I, you know, I just had, I, I had those two kind of reservations with him. Um, and again, you know, being a short price and just, you know, th- those types of things, but, Absolutely. but again, I don't, I don't think there's any horse in this field. I mean, uh, you know, a couple of them are a little bit soft, but None of them would like overly surprise in here because it's just one of those types of races. Yeah, because we could see weird trips happening, right? In this exactly. race, and, and that's exactly. what makes it difficult. Just like you said, like White Flag wouldn't shock if they wanted to get a little bit aggressive, but I could absolutely see them getting caught with that in between trip where you don't take back far enough, but you don't go far enough, and then you're just caught floating wide all the way around, and that's not a, yeah. a beneficial trip on the grass ever. So yeah, this. These first two races in particular And that tends to happen a lot of times You know the first race we talked about was grass but this is synthetic We see it up at Golden Gate sometimes Where we just get these races that turn Into these like turfy races and we don't get A ton of early pace and then things get Things can really get weird that that happened A lot in the synthetic era in Southern California At Keeneland all over the place Um, And and that's what definitely adds a wrinkle And and sometimes as a handicapper it's a little More fun but a little more challenging you know at places like, Like Woodbine so really Cool horse Pink Lloyd in race number seven, looking for career win twenty-five. But as uh, as Emily mentioned, this is a race that has not been the easiest one for him through the years. Uh, let's get to race number eight. It is the plate trial. They're going to these are the three-year-olds uh, Canadian foal. They're going to be going a mile and an eighth in here. And I mean, again, this race I think has at least a couple horses we can imagine that'll be on on the pace. But no real. I'm going to be sending. My game plan is always go to the lead Halo again was pretty close when he was Pressing going seven furlongs last time Out Clayton hasn't Done very much wrong in his career and We'd imagine that he's probably going to be tracking pretty Close we've seen some speed sometimes from Dotted line but he hasn't showed it his last few Stein can get aggressive here and there but It I mean from a How do we look at this race and start I think you Probably have to start with those two in the middle of the field Clayton and Halo again yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you're right. I mean, it's it's pace. I, I would imagine, I mean, we had um, sort of a gate issue with the, the Queenston and slow for and in the Marine for dotted line. I imagine um, that they're going to try to be a pace setter in here. I mean, it just, regardless, even if they break slow, I think they're going to have to send and they were just kind of against the flow after that slow start last time. Um, 
And then Clayton's going to, you know, Clayton and Halo again, both kind of tracking from that position, keeping the pace honest. Um, uh, it's hard to know sort of like where uh, I would imagine Glorious Tribute doesn't really have a lot of early, early speed, Northern Thunder. They're both kind of outsiders. Um, yeah, I mean, Elusive Knight, uh, he's the horse that's kind of the most interesting to me. I sort of saw this race um, as sort of Clayton, Halo again, and Elusive Knight all sort of being like the three horses that kind of stand out in here. Dotted line, people can make the case as well. Um, just I couldn't quite get there. But in terms of, um, you know, Elusive Knight, uh, he comes out of the same race as Clayton. Clayton had just a, a really ideal trip just in terms of like the handling was perfection by Hernandez that day, um, covered up, made first move. And the trip was completely the opposite with elusive night. I mean, he broke slow. He had to move early, um, caught in trouble, and then had to move late. He just showed showed a lot of run and like the type of horse at this time of year, that's a trip that he could move forward from um, experience wise. So I just, that spot but again it's like it's one of those races that um kind of have to just take a stand with one of the three i couldn't put a ticket together spreading with all three of them so um you know that's just my style of play to where i just prefer to take yeah. a stand yeah and and i can envision this race where maybe clayton and halo again and dotted same type of thing where there's not really gun speed on paper, but if dotted line gets a little bit aggressive and then the two horses that are the horses to beat, or even if it's just those two, Clayton and Halo again, and they're getting aggressive thinking that they're probably, you know, the you know, a likely winner of this race and they go head and head, then it really will set up for elusive night, who should have no problem with the distance, can run all day. He's just, he's super <laughs> honest. He's just been really unlucky. He's been in, in spots that he just didn't had really no chance and he continues to keep running. So he, I mean, he was eight plus lengths clear of the third place finisher last time out when he was three behind Clayton. So he does have to uh, improve a couple lengths on Kershaw here. Had to throw in a, a Dodger uh, reference for Clayton, and uh, and and then Halo again, who he was a horse who he won his first couple. And what's what's nice about Halo again is that he's proven going a mile and an eighth over this track, and he's got that really nice stalking style where he can kind of put himself into the race and make any trip. So I agree with you in that it feels like those three are a, are a cut above, and maybe we can, you know, we can find a way to make cases for Elusive Knight if, if we can see these horses, like as far as a, a distance horse, he he's probably better suited than Clayton or even Halo again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I just think there's there's a lot more upside and kind of foundation there, but um, you know, we'll see because he does need to to get back to winning a race and not mm-hmm. just finishing second. Okay, we've had no pace in I think the first three races that we've talked about. On paper, at least to me, it feels like the ninth race, the King Edward, is going to be a lot different because you look and you have Mister Ritz, who is pretty close to the leader or, or on it most of the time. You have Silent Poet, who's very quick. You have Admiralty Pier, who's really quick. I would not be shocked to see uh, Eskiminzin be really close to the lead because all of his wins have been. At less than a mile, seven and a half furlongs is the farthest, and he sits really, really close. Even a horse like Argentello isn't as quick as the others, but he showed some speed last time out. If they wanted to get aggressive with him, it wouldn't be a shock. To me, this feels like a race that has a lot of early pace. Yeah, I agree, and it's funny because I wrote up, I wrote up all races for um, Woodbine, the hashtag bet Woodbine TV, and I actually made that comparison just as far as being like we had no pace and now we have tons nice. of pace. So <laughs> yeah. I see it the same way. And um, race to kind of set up for for a horse from off the pace, um, which again, I mean, I think it's probably pretty obvious that a lot of people will kind of navigate towards March to the Arch. Yep. Is that sort of where you went? Exactly where I am. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, yeah, because it just it seems obvious. I mean, he's got the class. He's kind of got that running style. Uh, Built-in excuse or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he he hasn't spent a lot of time at Woodbine, which is interesting because you know Cassie has a lot of horses here. So obviously, he has some some positive intent to be able to run out of town, run at Saratoga, Churchill, Gulfstream, you know, all those places. But he does um, have a win over this course. Um, at nine furlongs, but again, that's still kind of that, that one turn winning the Toronto Cup in 2018. Um, so I, I, I think he fits in here as just kind of a, a pretty logical type horse um, all around and, and likely to get a trip. Yeah, I mean, he was behind Factor This last time out, and Factor This has won four in a row. Uh, this That's big speed. He's won three graded stakes, and... He in the, the horse who was fourth that day was Aquaphobia, who came back to win the Grade One United Nations, and, and then the May twenty fifth race in the Shoemaker, he was behind three next out graded stakes winners. War of Will was in there, who won a Grade One next out. Neptune Storm was in there, who won a Grade Three next out. Blitzcrag was in there, who won a Grade Three next out. He just had a wide trip, and he had absolutely no shot. This is just a much better spot on paper for him. And then you you know you look to some of the the other horses who have speed. I'm I'm kind of looking for a horse who maybe can get the jump on March to the Arch also and maybe sit in front of him. Would that be a horse like Delaware to the outside? Or what do we do with Dream Maker who, you know, I don't know if he's good enough in a spot like this. He was a horse who had a ton of, of reputation. He was very highly regarded in his career. He crushed in his debut and then he was only five to one in and five to two in back to back grade one races. He had some trouble. Came back at the start of his three year old season, put up a monster effort, and then he, you know, he kind of put himself back into the Derby trail. But then he was disappointing in, in three consecutive starts. But he, he ran into Tacitus, Vicoma, who have come back and 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 run well. He needed his last start. He's got an amazing turf pedigree, and it's not like he's going to be a horse where we have to worry about him being overbet in here. It's just is he good enough to compete with these? Yeah, I, I I used him and I wrote him up as well because for, for all those reasons, I mean he's he's such a wild card. I mean, last time out, I I, I think the public made a mistake making him the favorite. Um, because he's coming back off the layoff and he was doing something he'd never done. And I know he had those races, but it was just one of those times where I guess it's arguably made a made a mistake, but um, and and the effort itself. I mean, he lugged out around the turn. And there's things that like you didn't want to see. I mean, even if he didn't win. But I think this spot is interesting because they're going to come back to the one turn. And he's and, I, and that just might be kind of the key with him, mm-hmm. um, getting that type of distance. And again, you know, it's not going to be the short price it was last time. And so I'm going to use him. And I mean, kind of the same thing. Delaware fits as well in terms of in terms of running style. This is a one turn mile. He's coming out of those seven furlong races at Belmont, improving with each start. This is kind of a jump up, but um his numbers from those Belmont races stack right up with this field, so so he's right on par. Um, so yeah, I, I saw it kind of the same as you, where uh, March the Arch is is you know quite kind of a logical quote unquote horse to beat in here. But you know, I would I would definitely spread with with Dreammaker and uh, Delaware. Yeah, you know, with Dreammaker too, I feel like he's going to get a ton out of that last race. I didn't really love the way he was handled either. It it was weird. He he seemed to be. Like say they were going a mile and an eighth, and instead of just you know getting aggressive or just letting the horse run, it seemed like they were trying to kind of save a lot for late, and he just didn't really have anything late. You mentioned started l- like lugging out and, and was just a little tired. I would have preferred to see them kind of let him loose in a situation like that. And in here, he might be able to just save ground from the inside. And I mean, this is his first time turf. 
Four of his five siblings won on the turf for a combined 693,000. They had 10 victories. He's a full brother to the grade one winner, multiple graded strikes winner on the grass, Dream Dancing. So should step forward on here. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be in a good spot. And the key to horses like this are always price. Like, I, I don't ever mind taking yes. shots on wild card horses like this or, you know, Hidden Scroll is one that comes to mind. If he's five to one or over, I'm fine with that. I just don't want any part of those horses when they're eight to five. Right. Right. And then um, I think it's, I'm glad that you brought up the trip last time out because it, it was like, he made, he made the lead and like took pressure, like by default. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it was like something that they wanted to do, but um, you know, I, I also wonder too, because Wilson's taking over and mentioning just how aggressive she is um, wondering if maybe they are going to try to do that today. Um, But, but again, there's so many, you're getting so, so much compensation in terms of price. Um, and also mentioning his stablemate won the race that day, which is important to note, um, you know, where it's worth kind of taking that stab, as you mentioned, you know, being the wild card, you're going to get the compensation on the board. Yeah. And, and with the two in, in another, that's a great point too, with, with, you know, dream maker being a Cassie that will complement March to the arches running style. So maybe even a horse that's in here to, you know, to not, not necessarily to not run his race, but to help put, put some honest pace in there to at least set up for March to the arch. So, um, maybe, right. maybe, maybe and, a little bit of la- both. And last, was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. There was, there was a race like, like this that had looked like it had tons of speed on it. And Cassie had three horses and, um, you know, he had one that was like entered that looked to be like the total pace setter in the race and went out and did that was like the pace setter in the race and nobody else went. Mm-hmm. And then the horse firing the field and winning so it's like you never you never know he won with a rabbit last week maybe you know lightning will strike twice absolutely so it's dream maker total wild card in the king edward but definitely a horse that we both like with march to the arch as a very logical horse who should really trip out in here in the the ninth race at woodbine we move to the oaks the woodbine oaks five hundred thousand dollar purse three-year-old phillies canadian bread they're going to be going the mile in an eighth in here and i mean again just like starting from the inside with with um, Curlin's voyage, she's super honest. She you know she really shows up and runs runs really well. She just got up on the wire last time out. She's gonna go third off the bench. She's gonna stretch out. She has three wins going a mile and a sixteenth. So the mile and an eighth really shouldn't be any problem, especially with her pedigree. She should save ground. She should get a trip. And I think sort of like in the ninth race, you know, the first three races we talked about had no pace. This one seems to at least have. What should be an honest pace with you know made in like pilot episode stretching out Bayou Bell they've basically said Bayou Bell is in here to be a rabbit I, I've read the connections had were quoted as saying that um, with uh, you know November fog you're probably not going to be too far out of it you have lasting Union who's going to be pretty close in here just leave it alone has shown speed in the last few you know infinite patience is probably going to be right, uh, right on it and I think with a lot of those speed horses we have question marks about. Not only what the pace will be like, but if they really want to get a mile and an eighth. Right, right. And I, again, for all the reasons that you mentioned, I mean, Carlin's Woods to me, she she looks solid. She's like a, a kind of key horse in here because there's just, there's not much to knock. You know, she has the class. She mm-hmm. has the experience. She's coming into the race the right way. I mean, Carol did this last year, the same type of pattern. 
two sprints to a route, really saw her go forward. So all those things, I mean, she she looks to me like the horse to beat. Now, I know Lasting Union is actually the morning line favorite. It'll be interesting to see whether that happens or not. But uh, and, and I like Lasting Union a lot. I mean, her last two races were, were super impressive. And I think that she's, she's turned a corner um, with the change in the running style because she had some excuses for the first three races down at Gulfstream Park. And since they put her on the lead, it's like that's what she wants to do. So it's hard for me to see um them change tactics here it's like we have a horse that has mm-hmm. natural speed she's been really good on the front end she's been able to hold horses off when she's on the front end so um again you know i i, I do like her but again we talk about the pace you know that there does look to be contention in there and you know how she handles that she'll have to handle it in order to get the trip and win so that just kind of gives a little bit more of a push to curlin's voyage over in terms of trip yeah, I mean, she and she sat. She she was impressive. I mean, she's been really impressive. She sat. She got the lead, and then she just kind of sat in the two path, basically on even terms with uh, Annika Gold, and she put that one away, and she drew off, and then that uh, one who finished second, Annika Gold, came right back to to beat first level allowance company, and she's no slouch. She's won three of her last four, and again, we're talking about races against open company and this is not a drop in class but yeah older and open company but now Uh we're facing restricted three-year-olds and that was something that i you know that i looked at and that i liked with with um one horse who i sort of treat as a a real wild card in here as a a fleet catherine and then i'm gonna throw her in a couple a couple different spots um i like that she so she's beaten older in both i mean it's kind of deceiving because in her first race there was nobody older it was all three-year-olds but she did beat older last time out there were the second and third place finishers were actually five-year-olds she was on the grass both of her wins have been on the grass going seven furlongs and so she's going a mile and an eighth on the synthetic now completely different story so we have total question marks but she's going to be a price what i like is that she she did not look like she was going to win last race uh, She was four deep mid-pack She was like sixth or seventh, four off the pace She got shuffled back a little bit in between horses And early in the stretch, she did not look like she was going to win She was There were horses on the inside and the outside of her That seemed like they were traveling better But she just got determined in between horses And it feels like she's just getting going Distance-wise, visually, when you watch her So it's not always something that happens Where you watch a late-running sprinter And then they just... You know stretch out nicely to a mile and an eighth And they get a little more speed like you would imagine But I think that at a price If she's double digit odds in here I'm willing to take a, a swing She's got a couple siblings who's won, who've won over the synthetic And siblings that have won on the turf Dirt and synthetic so I don't have any issue With the, the surface or anything here I just think as a wild card She's she's a, a, a little bit interesting um, Let's see So what do you, what do, you do with uh, with Mervalu in here Take Putting the blinkers on um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know quite why they're going to put the blinkers on. I mean, again, you know, following following all of her races and just sort of the one thing I thought she was a little bit vulnerable last time out just in terms of trip and had had um, a lot of really favorable setups. Um, you know, with the perfect trip coming back this year. And then I just, you know, again, it was like one of those, that was the race I was talking about, the Celine stakes, that it was, you know, mm-hmm. looked like a lot of pace on paper and then just didn't work out that way as the the one cast wide the field. Um, but it looked like she was going to kind of get wide chasing and ended up doing that. Um, the track was tough to make up ground of her. I thought her effort was good, you know, all things considered with the race shape. So I don't know with, with the intention of the blinkers, whether they want to have her more forwardly placed. Um, and if that's the case, you know, again, she might get that kind of wide trip where she's up close, you know, chasing close to the pace. Um, not, not impossible, but her two wins have been in perfect scenarios and 
she's gonna to me it's like she's got to prove that she can kind of overcome that that type of adversity um but you know fits i mean it, it wouldn't be a surprise it just kind of seems like one of those that people will try to get get cute with and, and could end up being um a little bit of an underlay uh four and, to one so i mean even four to one seems a little bit short and that's yeah. in the morning line yeah i agree um what about the outside two horses um any thoughts on either just leave it alone who i gotta say the last couple starts since changing barns and since coming up to woodbine it, it was if you backed this one last time out it was uh two starts back behind curlin's voyage when she was 65 to one it was a pretty sick beat i mean she just got nailed late it did not look like curlin's voyage was ever going to get up she dug in deep she she was in between horses and, and then she stretched back out to a mile and an eighth and one i just i'm not i like what She's doing recently I like that she seems like she's turned a corner And maybe improved a little bit And maybe it's the the synthetic Maybe a little less competition Whatever the reason be I just don't know if this race shapes up all that well for her If she can sit sort of like she did last time But I think she might have just been able to do that Against inferior competition Right, um, I, I, and and also, I mean, she she backed up a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. speed figures. I know that she won, but but that's just something that's a little bit concerning, just in terms of distance, because that effort last time out is not going to cut it against this field. Um, I think that you know she did kind of for whatever reason, um, you know, the blinkers going on, the barn change, being out in front, you know, kind of getting that trip again, you know, six source field. Um, that was sort of the day for her and and it's hard to even see a move forward kind of off that fury effort um so the fact that she kind of backed up last time out you know again that just kind of is is sometimes a testament to class um you know again i'm looking at optics figures so she ran an 87 in the fury which is the highest figure and she backed up to an 81 last time out which is a little bit more consistent with her numbers in the past so that could just be a class factor where it's like a lot of these horses they may be consistently running 87s and then popping 90s here and there to where like for her she needs her absolute best and then it still might be a cut below Mm -hmm. um but again i mean i i I think they've got to kind of send and go um from the outside post and her run style to even just you know probably Get a share, right? I mean, yep. that's kind of all you'd have to hope for is just to kind of get in with the share. So you'd have to use her speed and let her go. And the same thing, you know, with the outside horse. I mean, they've they've got to go from that post as well. And at this distance, I don't think there's any any option otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, I'm looking for me. It's it's just hard to leave Curlin's voyage out of exotics because she feels like she's the most. Solid, consistent, going to save all the ground from the inside We have some question marks about the others With with maybe the way this race will shape up Or the running style Or if they're going to get hooked wide Things like that I think we have the least amount of questions About Curlin's voyage in here Yeah, she's she's kind of the way I, I'm going to kind of anchor this race around Just to, you know, be for, for all those reasons um, And then, uh, again, I wanted to use the 8 But the price is just, it's so short, but um, you know, we'll see if I if I do that. But pretty much most of the action will be um, around Curlin's voyage. I'm gonna flop the maiden into some exotics, just into some some tries and some supers and stuff, and and maybe I don't know why I keep wanting to really ma- to make a, a case for this horse, and maybe it's just because you know you see a race like this and you see pilot episode, and then she comes into a stakes race, and I think a lot of people will see, oh, it's the Woodbine Oaks, it's five hundred thousand. But remember, this isn't like a Grade One race against Open Company. This is still a restricted race, and she's actually faced 
open company and some pretty good horses through her races, but she, she it's just so many question marks. It's like I, I can't, I don't know why she's in here. And instead of making me, me want to knock her, it makes me want to to like find a way to include her in here because she's never been on a synthetic track. She's never been past seven furlongs. It just seems like such a weird spot to show up And I have no idea how good she is But I'm going to try to flop her under the bottom of some of my tickets Just because I I, I can't I, I'm just sort of infatuated with, with this spot that she's in Yeah, I, I think this is sort of one of the times Where like the owners are, are sort of making this decision yep. and, and she's not and, could be. Yeah, yeah, because they're, you know, they're local She's Ontario bred um, I think she has a sibling actually running in, in one of the other stakes races So I think, it, I think it's one of those dictating Um you know the placement and and again i mean she's 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 good like she's run some good races she's run races that that are fast um but again i mean i just think in in terms of a tent i mean you know shug obviously you know he could stretch a horse out it just kind of seems like they haven't really wanted to for some reason and keeping her at that one turn um but but i mean i i couldn't fault anybody that just felt like you know i don't really trust you know curlin's voyage or i don't want to take a short price and i you know those types of things and you're looking for another horse she fits just as well as any other horse in this field so i you know i wouldn't It'd be hard for me to say, like, don't use her in At this a big spot price. because yeah, because she yeah, may be a big she, price too. And I'm not saying her, single yeah. her in exotics or anything, but a horse to maybe flop into some of your exotics, throw in on the back end of one up one small pick four or five, or really use to try to get into third four spots. Because I think what you said, I think the connections would be ecstatic with hitting the board here. This yeah, would be a great, I mean, this would be a great spot for them to hit the board, and that could really spice up a try if you're that kind of a player. Yeah, I, I don't think they have they really have anything to lose at this point by running her here, right? Because yep. it's like you've been running against open, you know, she's been favored a couple times and come up short. And it's you know, it's just like why not run here? She's doing well, she's got the bullet drill, you know, he's working at Saratoga, you know, second off. You know, there's things that are positive that it's like why not? If you finish last, like what difference is it really going to make? Um, but you know, changing things up and taking a shot, it, it certainly makes sense. And again, she has speed figures that fit right on, right on the level of a lot of the other horses. So she's not that much of an outsider. If you are one of the horse players out there that has been focusing a lot on uh, Del Mar Saratoga for the summer meets, I would really recommend taking a look at the Woodbine card this weekend. Um, you can uh, listen in for uh, the analysis we gave you for the stakes races. You can follow along with Emily. Um, she'll give you the information in just a minute, and she can give you some additional help there with the with the Woodbine card if you need. I, I just I had a, I enjoyed handicapping this card, and you know what? When we handicap so many cards, a lot of the time. We enjoy doing it. We love doing it. But sometimes it, you know, it's work, and you're getting through it. This one felt fun. I, I really enjoyed it. There were some nice horses, some you know, fun horses to maybe take swings against. There are a couple races that have no pace, then a couple races that look like they have a ton of pace. So it's it as a handicapper, I just I had a lot of fun kind of figuring out these puzzles. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did the same thing. I went through, you know, I don't have to write up all the stage races for Woodbine. I only have to do one. That's sort of like, you know, my contract or whatever. But I had this, I had the same thing. I ended up writing them all because I'm like, I'm doing them and they're just, you know, it just kind of flows. So nice, yeah, nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to this day. And so let us know where can we find you online and uh, what do you have coming in the next few days and going to give us all, you're still doing um, Southern California selections, some stuff for Indiana Grand too. Uh, give us everything to get the rundown. Correct. Yeah, those are my these are my three tracks. Um, Woodbine, um, Southern California. So currently Del Mar and Indiana Grand full card selections for um, Del Mar and Indiana Grand at brisnet.com. 
uh, Woodbine selections um, are on woodbine.com. I tweet those out at Emily Optics EQ. Um, also, a race of the day at Optics EQ. Um, uh, you know, strongly recommend that's that's free every day. You just log in. We always kind of put in a, a lot of bonus stuff. So make sure you check that out. And then I don't know what when your show is airing, but um, Thursday night. So tonight. Um, but if people get this too late, um, every Thursday night, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. on the West, uh, Woodbine Live. We handicap live and play the last three races on the card, and then some standard red action as well. Awesome stuff, Emily. So yeah, I'll. I'll link back up with you. I'd love to to get you back on. We had, we didn't talk any Del Mar, so maybe closing weekend or um, or in a few weeks, um, to the, some of the last couple cards, we can uh, we can try to get a, a big score at Del Mar before uh, before things end over there. Absolutely, I I really enjoy handicapping with you. I wish we would do it more. So I know I do too. Please I, please well, invite me on. <laughs> I, I I would love it too. I, I really it's, it's you're honestly I, I don't I'm no bullshit. You're literally one of my favorite people to talk to with racing. It seems like we have. Similar approaches, but even if we don't, I really respect the work that you've put in, and I, it always makes me take a second look at horses that I'm not including. Which I think that's why we all handicap, right? I'm I don't I don't really when I put my information out there, I'm I'm sure there are some, but I don't think a lot of people are are playing every single horse, every single race, exact ticket verbatim. I, for me, I like listening to smart people, sharp people that I trust, and say, oh, you know what. Emily mentioned a 10 to 1 horse in that race That I didn't really look at Like that's the horse I'm going to throw in I, I, That's how I want our, my show to be a lot I just want it to be a compliment for people to, to help them maybe find a horse that they wouldn't have Yeah, absolutely I couldn't agree with that more The way I do the daily selections is like that as well I try to write it up in a way that like You have a friend there handicapping with you Is not mm-hmm. me saying I love this horse And it's all about me It's like Here's the information. Here's kind of the way I see it. Process it. Read it. Understand why I like a horse, dislike a horse. You know, think a price should be this. You know, this and that. Um, to just kind of have another opinion, another person in the room to talk races with. Emily Gollickson, one of the best handicappers out there. Always have a blast talking with you, Emily. Have a great weekend, and uh, let's link back up in a few weeks. All right. Very good. Thank you, folks. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we will be right back here on That's What G Said. Always love catching up with Emily and talking racing with her. So just a, a quick recap for me in the third at Woodbine, it's Romantic Pursuit. That's the horse. It, it's it's probably Romantic Pursuit and Elizabeth Way, but I prefer Romantic Pursuit a little bit more in uh, in race number seven. I think if you're taking a shot against Pink Lloyd, it might be White Flag. I just don't want shorter than that three to one or so on White Flag. So if if White Flag ends up getting bet down and it's five to two or even shorter. That just seems a little short for a horse who's a wild card. I don't want to take a really short price on a wild card. Seven to two would be great. In race number eight, I can't really get too cute in here. I kind of uh, agreed. Like elusive night feels like the upside horse, but Clayton and Halo again are going to be pretty tough. So, you know, very logical for me in here. I couldn't really make a case for any of the other big big prices. I would probably just use you know Clayton Halo again and, and maybe elusive night if you're playing some sort of exotics. And then in race number nine. I would look to the March to the Arch would absolutely be my top selection in here. Dream Maker would be the other wild card to include, and Delaware would be the third. So I'd be using March to the Arch, Dream Maker, and Delaware. Maybe Argentello. I, I could be talked into Argentello based on the trip that he may be able to sit in there. And then in race number 10, throw a fleet Catherine into some of your exotics. The you know lasting union is gonna be very tough. 
Curlin's Voyage, there are no knocks, and I'm going to include the, the Maiden pilot episode at the bottom of some exotics also. I like this this Saturday card up at Woodbine. It was a lot of fun talking some Woodbine with Emily. I used to, you know, for a, for a while, I looked at Woodbine every single day, and back at TVG, I was looking at Woodbine. I love the Woodbine Wednesdays that they would have with the late evening post, so it's always fun and nostalgic to be able to sit down and really dig my uh, my heels in and, uh, and, and look at a card like we did uh, this week at Woodbine with Emily. So, Thanks again to Emily. Make sure to follow her on all the social media spots that she mentioned and, and, and online. And we'll be talking with her, uh, hopefully, for Del Mar closing week in, in just a few. And I just had one play at Saturday at Del Mar. Because the focus for me was more Saratoga, was more Woodbine. When I went through the, and, and a lot of it was because when I went through the Del Mar card, I just didn't love it. I really didn't. And the one race that I will give a look to is the Solana Beach in race number nine. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Pulpit Rider in here. Pulpit Rider, last we saw her, was fourth, was sitting fourth. She was too deep. She didn't seem to be traveling great, though. She just kind of grinded around. She angled out four wide. She was up late for third. That was against Open Company. I think that was just a group that was better. She's been very, very competitive and very, she looks very capable in a spot like this where, you know, look at all of the Calbred races. She's always right there. She always shows up. She's very consistent. She just doesn't win a whole ton. I like this third off the long, long layoff. She should be set for best coming back in against Calbreds after facing open company. That's going to be the only play for Saturday Del Mar for me. Um, I'll have more uh, more fun playing the races at Woodbine and at Saratoga that I just seemed to, to have more of a strong opinion about. A heavy horse racing episode. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors and then following the, the little commercial break, we're going to talk all about the Derby, the Kentucky Derby. The field is basically set. There's one more prep race coming up this weekend and there might be a couple horses that come out of that race that will fill the field but we are not going to get a field of 20 this year. It sure does not look that way. There have only been 16 or 17 horses that are committed to run. We've had a bunch off the points list in the last few days Say that they are not going to run in the derby They're not even thinking about doing it So Ryan Dickey joins me And we go through all the news We go horse by horse starting with Tis the Law Basically through 25 or so Horses on the points list What their plans are What their resume looks like It's a really good in-depth conversation All about these three-year-olds Who are pointing to the Kentucky Derby in the first Saturday in September Doesn't that sound weird So hear from a sponsor And then time to, to talk with Ryan Dickey About the Derby One of the sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast Is Cindy Carava, Full service realtor And I am here over in Glendora At Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what, uh, what kind of stuff you were working on Hi Gino, thanks for having me uh, 2019 was just really great uh, I had a great year uh, Selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia Out to Upland and Ontario just recently um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. 
And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, And uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com, or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. So the Travers is in the books. And how crazy is this? We are going to, to get ready for the Kentucky Derby, the first Saturday in September And he talk about the field Our buddy Freelance horse racing writer Ryan Dickey Ryan how, how weird does that sound I mean we, we have one prep race This weekend left That has some points And maybe a couple horses that can come out of this race Will come back and run in the derby But for the most part We know what the field is going to look like And it's just It's a crazy 2020 That we're going to be running the derby in September the first Saturday in September, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but nothing in 2020 is making sense. So let's just roll with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you might hear some faint sounds of uh, the gardeners in the background. That's at my place. I've been doing my best to try to avoid them for the last hour or so, but I think they're far enough away to where it just, the show must go on, Ryan. We just can't wait any longer. We have too much to talk about here with the, uh, the horses. And I guess one of the, the, the major questions that we'll ask now, do you think we're going to get a field of 20? No, I don't think so. No. I think uh, 17 is going to be about about it for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I mean, we may get a couple horses that have no points or very little points. Mm-hmm. It, 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 might, it might be that situation because we're starting to see now when, when the derby is earlier in the year, you're going to get a lot of people that probably have a little more derby fever. They They, they still don't quite know... Their three-year-old horse yet They haven't quite developed But you throw this year into the mix Where you have a couple extra months And you've been able to really get to know your horses by now We, For the most part, we know a lot of these horses And what they're going to give us So I think there's going to be a lot less derby favor, derby fever When many of these connections have already been trounced a few times By Tis the Law Yeah, that's, that's correct I think one of the um, benefits of having the derby this far Is people who had uh, set out early in the year with the, with their version of Derby Fever, they realize, hey, you know mm-hmm. what? Maybe this, this just isn't for us. So I, I agree with you 100% there. But also on, on the flip side, I mean, tis the law has been good for so long. I mean, when's the last time we saw a dominant three-year-old with major victories in you know February, March, June, August, September? 
And as a two-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, he he did it in the champagne. This is just a damn nice animal. And he's done it at a mile and a quarter, which we've never seen in this weird world now where he just won the Travers. So uh, this is – and he's the number one gun. And he's he's your number one points leader. And he's going to be an overwhelming favorite. And what makes him even more of an overwhelming favorite, Ryan, is when you look at the horses throughout the, throughout the year that would – if you were going to make a top five list of the three-year-olds that have run this year, it would probably be Tis the Law, Nadal, Charlatan, and McMaxfield. You know, like they would have been like your next trio. And since those three horses are not in this group, that makes him such a standout in here. Yeah. Do you remember Dennis's moment? I know. I know. Right? It doesn't feel like years ago. It feels like worlds ago when we we look back at some of these prep races for some of the horses. I mean, you look at a horse like King Guillermo. He's been so out of sight, out of mind. It feels like he hasn't run in in years. And um, and, and so that was was. I mean, you know, I, I saw Travis Stone post a tweet, and and our buddy Darren Zocali was going back and forth with him. And there was a DRF article about it. And the the conversation now has been, how short of a price is he going to be? Because you know he's your Champagne winner, your Florida Derby winner, your Travers winner, your Belmont winner. What's ironic is that his lone loss was actually at Churchill Downs, where yeah. he's going to have to run. But it wasn't – he didn't run poorly. He actually got in some trouble that day and still ran pretty well. Um, I mean, how short are, are we talking? We're looking at the the short price Derby favorites, and there was a list since 2001 – and it was Bellamy Road, who was just over five to two at two point six to one. California Chrome and Empire Maker, they were five to two. We had Big Brown, who was two point four to one, just under five to two. Nyquist was two point three. Point Given was one point eight. I mean, I'm going way under that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be even money or odds on, mm-hmm. no doubt. But here's the thing: is every year, the week of the Kentucky Derby, or even two weeks before the Kentucky Derby, there's always. A wise guy horse, mm-hmm. a horse that's been working really well, and the people start saying, "Oh, he's the yep. one! He's the one!" And I'm going to use this one. I mean, let's face it: there's a lot of people who aren't going to bet tis the law, yeah, yeah, uh, because they're they're looking for value in a 17 or 18 or 19 or 20 horse field. So there's going to be another horse that's going to be you know low low odds, and if you can find one that's you know the morning darling, uh, that's that's going to really really cut into his odds. So I, I say even money or just yeah. just odds on. And and what and what happens generally even in the derby too is that we don't get the massive prices that we used to get anymore. We don't ever get the 90 to 1 shots or you know even really horses that are like 50 up and over because people play 2 bucks and 5 bucks to win on those horses, you know, like so yeah. many people just end up playing the big odds that we generally just don't get the the massive massive bombs, but I mean we we get to tis the law and he is a standout and it's funny there's really nothing you can knock about this horse And for some reason The gambler in me wants to Just like you were saying It's like I don't know why he doesn't And hasn't given me the Is warm and fuzzy Unbeatable feeling But God, And I'm like mad at myself when I, when I say that Because this horse just continues to do nothing wrong And honestly when you look at this field And the way it's going to shape up Once you get past the top Four horses on the points list then we're really dropping to another tier of horses where you're starting to project and hope that they improve because what they've done, I mean, it, it would be hard for one of the horses that aren't in the top, you know, four to maybe six to even run a race good enough to compete with Tisda Law right now. Everyone else, when you're looking at horses like maybe a Doctor Post or maybe a Max Player changing Barnes or a Caracaro like on the upswing, horses like that, they would, they could do it, but they need to improve. There's there's only a few horses that really seem like they're on the 
on the level with Tis the Law when they run their best race. Correct. I mean, he's the relevant real deal Holyfield. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to win the Kentucky Derby. I mean, obviously, he's the most likely winner, but he could be going for the Triple Crown in October. And then a month later, he'll be running in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I yeah. Mean, I know American Pharaoh did it, but uh, he, he lost the Traverse in between, but he didn't uh, he didn't win the <laughs> third crown of the uh the belmont as the first one he didn't he didn't win it in that order and then one month later was running for the uh the the beards cup classic it's, it's nice that they were both at keeneland though huh yeah yeah so okay we'll we'll, we'll get right. past uh, number one tis yeah. the law who's who's the, who's the head honcho i mean we we just yeah. it's hard to knock him i can understand from a gambling perspective if you you want you're not playing him to win that's fine yeah. i just can't leave him out of exotics he's not one of these favorites that i'm saying I don't like this favorite. I'm going to try to beat him. I just might, I might try to look for a little value. Maybe I can find a five to ten to one type shot in this in this next tier of horses. I think I kind of have one in mind. We'll see what what happens in the next few weeks leading up. But let's get to number two, authentic. Sure. He is your San Felipe winner. He's your Haskell winner. He has just one loss. Very good speed, Baffert horse. I think we have some questions with him though. Can he sit off the pace? Does he need the lead horse? And how far does he really want to go? He's the, the type of horse that I've never really been that high on, and he probably won't make his way into a lot of my exotics. So my earlier thoughts on, on him are a little bit different than yours. Earlier this year, he was my pick to win the whole thing. I thought he was the best of the Baffert contingent. But then we had Nadal, and I thought, you know, Nadal was kind of a, a scrappy runner. I thought maybe Nadal. And then Cezanne came along, and I bought the hype on him for a little bit, but thank you. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But now, authentic is the the best. He's, of the, he's the uh, lone one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. A thousand, with Uncle thousand Chuck. words. I, I mean, yeah, yeah a thousand, thousand words, words. Yeah. I don't know if Uncle Chuck, but he feels like I, I think they've said Uncle Chuck is not expected to run. And yeah. thousand words, I think he's kind of in this race because he he kind of got lucky in a small field. He was better at two, but it feels like this. You're right. This is the Baffert horse in this year's Derby. Correct. And and here's the thing is looking at the horses who I believe are going to be in the gate for this derby. He is one of three or four horses that I believe are going to want to really get out to the lead. I know we don't want to try to project the derby pace at this point because we don't know who's in and we don't know what the uh, post positions are. But if you just look at the horses and their running styles, he's one that's definitely going to go. Yeah, he's going. And yeah. we've seen Art Collector be pretty quick in his last few starts. Yep. New York Traffic's not going to want to be too far out of it. King Guillermo's always going to want to be close. You'd have to imagine with the way that Thousand Words won on the front end, they'd probably want to put him back there on the front end too. So, you know, you start going through this field, and you're right, you have a, a good amount. I think they've said Swiss Skydiver won't run, but, right. you know, maybe they, they, they have a big win this week in the Alabama, and they change their mind, and, and she's in there, and she's another one that pushes the pace. I think they said Shivery probably won't be running either. Right. Um, and, and but he would be in a so th- there's a lot there there could be a good amount of speed but I think he's definitely one of the quicker in here and he feels like he's in the top tier still even if I sure. I'm not as high on him personally myself and maybe I'm not gonna bet him to win and and maybe he's not a mile and a quarter horse it there's a there's definitely versions of this race where this horse gets a length lead and can win. Correct. And if Tis the Law doesn't run his race for whatever reason, I mean, there are not a whole lot of other horses in this uh, f- potential field who mm-hmm. have the speed figures that have matched up yep. to Authentic's best. So, I mean, Authentic is definitely not one that you're going to want to toss, but I mean, is there going to be a lot of value there on him? Yeah. Probably and, and, not. We'll have to and, wait and see. And that's the key. If you're, you know, if you're playing 
these to me there's these top four that I'm looking at. Tisla, authentic art collector, and honor AP, who are the sure. top four in the point standings. And I am and I genuinely look at them as these four that are kind of a cut above everybody else in here. And so we you know when you're playing exotics, you, you probably can't just use the. You, you don't want to use A, B, C, D in a lot no. of the exotics. You're going to have to, whether you're playing Tis the Law, then maybe you're going to use a few underneath horses and maybe you toss authentic and arc or however you spread it, but you're, you're just not going to be going one, two, three, four. And so maybe he's on your ticket, maybe he's not, but he is good enough to win the race. And there, sure. you can't say that for probably more than five or six horses in this field. And, and yeah, that doesn't mean that they can't win If things get crazy and other horses don't show up We've seen, you know, that's why there are upsets But he genuinely Genuinely looks like one of the horses Where he can run his A game And beat Tis the Law um, And I think the same can be said for Art Collector who's sort of the now horse Ryan, he's 4 for 4 this year He won the Bluegrass where he sat 3rd off the pace And he was able to get by Swiss Skydiver He won the Ellis Park Derby and you would imagine he's going to be forwardly placed here And he is a horse who If this derby was run earlier in the year He wouldn't have been in it And so he definitely is a horse who has benefited from the change in schedule Because he is a later developing type And he is just be, I mean before the bluegrass Nobody knew who Art Collector was And he's really jumped up And he's going to be one of your betting favorites in the derby Sure, I mean he's my sentimental choice to win I mean I, I do believe that Tis the Law Has the best shot of winning obviously I mean, that's pretty obvious, but, but my sentimental choice to win the Derby is Art Collector. When I was doing homework for a horse purchase that I ended up not making, I went to Tommy Drury's barn at Skylight Training Center, and I, just meeting him the one time, I knew he was a hell of a horseman. You and uh, we, yeah. yeah, we never did any business together, but I have subsequently interviewed him and talked about Art Collector. And this horse has progressed well since the barn change. I mean, obviously, he was in the sharp barn earlier. And I think he's just going to be a, sh- a short pi- a short price here. And I'm not going to be upset if he wins, but he might not be somebody I use underneath because a tis the law art collector exact is not going to pay anything. No, no. Um, horse who you may get a little more value on now because he didn't win his last race is Honor AP, who's number four on the points list. He's your Santa Anita Derby winner. He was in a field of four last time out. He was we were one to five favorite, and it was a really weird race in the shared belief. There was just no pace on. I think a lot of people expected Cezanne to be the pace, and then Thousand Words ends up going from the inside. And he moved really. Er- he was he didn't break great. He's more of he's a horse who kind of needs to just sit, relax, and then make one run. And he had to move early from the back to try to depress the lone speed, and then he dropped back. But then he, he came on again late and he, he kind of kicked into gear it, I think it was a good race to set him up for this Because he won't have that same type of style That's not the trip that he needs to win this The way he wins this race is if Art Collector Is just sort of like what we talked about If those speed horses go he He's able to sit maybe in front of some of the deep closers Or maybe a little right behind Tis the Law And, and go by them I think he is a legitimate contender He may be a win contender for me at you know, over six to one or so. If he's in, if he's in the six to one range, you know, between that ten to one, I, I think I'll probably give him a very long look because he didn't need to win that last race. It just, it, it wasn't a race. I don't think he. Went, as soon as the gate's over and the horse clears like that, I, I never thought he was going to win that race. You could tell he was all in early, and then it was he came back on again. So for me, he's my sort of early horse. I'm looking at and maybe keying in on. 
Well, I think that his streak of, you know, going second and then first and then second and first and second first, I think that's going to end here on the first Saturday of September. And while he has shown the requisite speed figures to compete with Art Collector and Authentic, uh, I think you hit it. His his running style sort of matches Tiz the Law, and I think they're going to be, you know, the second tier of horses. I just don't think that he's going to be able to match up with that horse. I mean, he's been running in small fields, mm-hmm. and for me, he's going to be a, a bet against, but... I see that there's definitely going to be value on him because he might be at that six to one, eight to one range. So, I mean, that's one of the few horses in the top five or top six that I'm going to try to play against. Yeah. And I think I like him more because of the loss. I think had he won sure. his last race and he was coming in and he would have been probably your second choice in here. Instead, you'll get, you might even get double what you, you would, you could have gotten on him if he was coming off of a couple big, big looking victories. So, um, honor AP at number four. And then these next two horses, well, where I feel like after th- these top four, it does drop off. Mm-hmm. Number five and six on the list are very hard knocking horses. They are super honest. They are going to give you everything they've got out on the track. They're going to give you a great run for your money. Number five is New York Traffic, second in the Haskell. He looked like he was done behind Authentic, and then he just dug in late and came on again and made things really close. I mean, he's a fighter. Second in the Haskell, second in the Matt Win, second in the Louisiana Derby, third in the Risen Star. He's got the running style where he can sit right behind. You know he's not going to be too far out of it. it. It's just there's a lot like we're starting to go through these horses now. Tis the law, art collector, honor AP will probably be a little behind them, but but some of these better horses in here all sort of have that style. And is he going to be able to go a mile and a quarter? And if he's at the top of the lane on even terms with a Tis the Law or an Art Collector or an Honor AP or any of them, is he going to be able to close with them? Yeah, see, I, he's, he has shown heart. He has finished second three times in a row. Those were all graded stakes wins, I mean, or graded stakes races. He, he came in third in the, in the Risen Star. Um, he's definitely going to be one of those you know, forwardly placed. I like him. Um, I'm just looking at his past performances and looking at his speed figures. It was a big step up in that run at Monmouth, uh, Haskell. Um, there's a possibility he could be ready for the dreaded bounce. Mm-hmm. But, again... He's going to represent plenty of value, and if if he's authentic, not four behind, no, right? Not, yeah, no, that's the thing. He's, he's in the top tier for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and so you're right. If he's he could be one of those courses that gets a little forgotten about. Yes, because correct. people look down and they go, oh, you know what? He was beaten by and he's beaten by Maxfield, and he's been beaten by some of the better in here, right. and he's more of an under. But he could be a very nice, like, exact to try super horse to have if he float. You know, I, he he could be that sneaky forgotten about horse. And Correct. speaking of forgotten about, I mean, King Guillermo, <laughs> number six on the list. It feels like we haven't seen this guy in forever. He is your Tampa Bay Derby winner. And then he was a, a pretty solid second in the Arkansas Derby behind Nadal. He really tried hard. He sat third on the inside, but he has not raced since May the 2nd. We're talking about a four-month layoff. I mean, put that into perspective for an old Kentucky Derby. That would be like a horse who had not raced since January coming into the Derby. And, and so, you know, it's different, obviously, because the way this year has been. But it just – I would so much rather have seen him with a race or two under his belt leading into this. Yeah, I mean, he's like the anti-Kenny Powers. He's literally trying to be the best at exercising. I mean, I mean his, last, his last race was, was on the day that the Kentucky Derby was supposed to be on. All these other horses that, are, that we're talking about have run two, three times since then. He hasn't run yet. I mean, he's the wild card of wild cards in this wacky mm-hmm. derby. And I'm not going to put anything past 2020 here. 
I will have action on him, even though my brain says he's a toss. I mean, like you said, it's like he hasn't raced since January coming in the Kentucky Derby, but stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, his speed figures are up there with everybody in this field, except for tis the law. Yeah, and he's got the style to at least put himself in the race and give you a good run for your money. And I like the fact that he's proven he he's not a I need to be right on the lead. I can actually sit and and make a, a bid and come past some horses if I have to. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't really have any knocks on King Guillermo. It's just it's going to be crazy trying to see a horse uh, who hasn't run in, in so long. It's like you, there were a few of these horses we look down at, and it's like wow, I, this horse is is in the top <laughs> twenty. You know, and the next one thousand words. He was one of those two year olds who was good. And uh, he won the Los Al Futurity And then he came back at 3 Won the, the Bob Lewis And he won the Shared Belief Where he went wire to wire in a very small field And and that was after Three kind of dull efforts In between his big wins So he was an undefeated Baffert horse who was good early Then he threw in a couple clunkers And then he was able to pick up some more points When he wired that small field And he beat uh, Honor AP in the Shared Belief I, I don't know To me I just I think he got he, he was a real beneficiary of that small field getting the lead. I just I can't really envision myself using him. Me either. He's very intriguing because the question is, did he finally wake up or mm-hmm. did he just benefit from the small field and, and ran what what should be his race? I mean, I'm gonna go with Bounce City. I don't think he's that good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna toss him. I mean, I mean, and he's always been a grinder type, mm-hmm. and so maybe being on the lead for that type of a horse is is where he wants to be because then he can just keep grinding and not let him pass. But I, I I'm with you. Like he's, I, I just like others more in here. A horse like Doctor Post, they, the connections have said there he's number eight on the list. They've said they're not sure. Maybe he could be running. He was second in the Belmont. He was no match for Tis the Law. He was third in the Haskell. And and of the top three in there, he did have the like the worst of the trips. He was on the inside. He got shuffled a little bit behind horses, and he came on late. He's he maybe is a little bit of an upside horse, but they're still deciding on whether they're going to run. And and some of these horses, what's what's difficult is where they've been no match for Tis the Law. It's like why isn't Tis the Law going to keep improving? What you know what I mean? Like he's still right. a three year old on the upswing too. It's it's just hard for some of these horses if they didn't have a ton of trouble behind them, and if he was just better, I have a hard time projecting them beating him or some of the top few. So I would have no problem with people using horses like Doctor Post. I just don't know if if I'm completely sold on him. So this is one of the few horses that we're going to talk about where I think it's very important to watch their work tabs over the next three weeks. He might be they, one they of those workhorses, right? Those yeah, wise yeah. guy really that loves the track and he's really buzzy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's by quality road out of a graded stakes winning mare who was by Hennessy and uh, Hennessy only raced as a two year old, but he finished second to unbridled song in the uh, BC juvenile and quality road. As we know, he won the fountain of youth, won the Florida Derby, but he, he missed the Kentucky Derby. I just think we haven't seen the full potential of Dr. Post yet. A mile and a quarter might, yep. yeah, a mile and a quarter might be the limit of his distances, but if he's healthy and he's sound and cranked, he could be one of those sneaky underneath horses that betters look for. I think his running style will will lend well in this uh, edition of the Derby, depending on uh, his post position. He's obviously post uh, dependent. Yep. But, uh, I think he's definitely a moderate long shot pick. If yeah. He runs. The the eight, nine, and ten horses are all at least somewhat intriguing to me. Uh, number nine, Max Player, who is now with Steve Asmussen. They've just changed Barnes. And this was your Withers winner Who was off from February to June When the Belmont got changed They decided to take some time off And he was third in the Belmont Third in the Travers No match for Tisla in either of them But he is a late runner who will pass horses He is 
going to absolutely be a horse I'm using in Exactus tries and supers I don't know, he'll need the right setup to win And I can see him getting that kind of a setup There are there are versions of that of this race where that happens But he, he he's an exotic horse for me Sure, I mean, I was really high on Max Player and the mm-hmm. Travers I mean, I didn't think he was going to beat Tis the Law But, you know, I, just transferring That transfer leaves a bad taste in your mouth a little bit mm-hmm. I think karma-wise is kind of bad juju But I think this horse hasn't really progressed a lot numbers-wise as a three-year-old, and I think Asmussen will uh, improve improve this horse, but I don't think he's going to be able to do it in 28 days. And like I said, bad bad karma, bet it, bet against. You're right. When you when the, you make the change, something like late like that, it's yeah. I, I, I know I I don't like it either. It doesn't give you the good feels in, in no. your belly. Um, a horse who's who's you know lightly raced now with some upside. Is number 10 on the list is Caracaro He broke his maiden in January And then he didn't race until July the 16th And he was second in the Peter Pan He came back and he was second in the Travers Which is really nice because For a lightly raced horse who's now going to be making His third start off the long layoff He's already got a race at a mile and a quarter He needs to improve on, on Tis the Law, no doubt But he feels like one of the horses Who has some upside To at least be able to do that yeah, so there's literally nothing I can say here that can add to that. That that's exactly the same. I feel the exact same way about this horse. I like him. Yeah, I like him. He he he'll, he'll be on a, a lot of my tickets. It looks like the horse who beat him in the Peter Pan is not expected to run. Number eleven, Country Grammar. He right. was fifth in the Fountain of Youth, and then he won the Peter Pan. Then he was fifth in the Travers. So um, we can kind of skip over him because they've said that they are not going to be running. But number twelve on the list is Enforceable. He was your LeCompte winner. He's second in the Risen Star, fifth in the Louisiana Derby. Didn't race from March till July. Fourth in the Bluegrass. He is training at Churchill. He's going to be coming off a little bit of a break too, uh, almost two months, where uh, be, when he'll show up at, at Churchill for the first Saturday in September. He's a closer who needs pace help. He's an underneath horse for me. I, I just don't, I don't. He would really need a great trip, things to fall apart. I can, I can see him hitting the board absolutely. I like. I have him in a, on a fantasy team too, so I, I, I'd love it if he won. <laughs> You're I, rooting I, for him. I, I'm rooting for him. I think he's more of a two, three, four horse and. I'm a little worried that he might have just been better earlier in the year than he is right now. Yeah, I, I really wanted him to be my sneaky derby pick, um, but his running style—I prefer stalkers mm-hmm. rather than plotters in the derby, obviously because like of this. the traffic. Yeah, I mean, uh, give me give me a, a stalker in the derby over a plotter any day. But again, it's pace dependent. If this pace is really fast and, and it melts down, he's going to be the one you know chugging at the end. Is he going to be better than some of the ones that are more forwardly placed early? Who knows? Uh, I I will have him underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to be playing the super this year because I made it a 10 cent minimum, but I will put him underneath in my trifectas. Yeah, I, I'll be doing similar. Number 13, Swiss Skydriver. Don't really have to talk about the Philly too much. She won the Gulfstream Oaks, the Fantasy, Santa Anita Oaks, and she has a solid second in the Bluegrass versus the boys. She's going to run in the Alabama on Saturday. They have said that she was not expected to run in the uh, – in the Derby, in fact, they've kind of, uh, the, I believe, one of the owners kind of said something like, "Bring on Gamine already." So it <laughs> seems like he seems like he's excited for a matchup there with the uh, with sure. the Baffert Philly. So um, I think Shiva Ree, who they said had not expected to run, which I think is good. Shiva Ree would have just given you some extra pace in here, but he was a horse who was second in the Florida Derby that got him the points, and then his last couple starts, he was eleventh in the Bluegrass, eleventh in the Travers. So they would have just been a pace factor. They're not going to be running. But number 15, Rushy is still up in the air Because they need to supplement in order to get in Rushy is You know, one of those horses who I don't think he's good as good as Tis the Law, but he feels to me like 
you know, in that next tier of horses, maybe with the Caracaros or the Dr. Posts, who are sort of lightly raced with some upside. He was third in the Santa Anita Derby, third in the Bluegrass, and he was he was wide and he loomed up in the Bluegrass. He was right on, you know, even terms with the top two before the top of the lane, and then they spurted clear there. I wouldn't talk people off of using him in exotics if he snuck into this race. I just I don't know if he would be quite good enough to win. Yeah, I mean, my notes on him is he's gutty. I mean, he, he is. Could, he could gut out a trip, um, but I think he's just in over his head. He's definitely one of those horses in the list that's pace dependent. He should be thirty to one or forty to one. Yeah. All of that. I mean, if you're playing the the, the superfecta and you want to put him underneath at forty to one, go ahead. But just know that there's going to be a lot of people that have the all in that spot. Uh, one horse who's going to be, you know. Taking back and making a late run He was second in the Risen Star, fourth in the Louisiana Derby Tenth in the Matt win And then second in the Indiana Derby after a slow start He was last, he made a big wide move You know, feels Sort of max player-ish um, in, in With the way he runs And I, you know, I could see him at the bottoms But again, now, he said once you get past Those top four, five We're looking at a lot of horses who who Look similar on paper If they got the right kind of trip they could probably hit the board, but he would really need things to go his way to win this race. Yeah, I talked to Greg Foley about this horse, and he said, you know, throw out the Matt win. He didn't didn't get off to a good start. He was seven wide. It was just not a good race. So if you cut that one out and you look at the other ones, he still doesn't have the top tier speed figure numbers as the ones in here, um, you know, that we talked about in the top tier. He just worked a uh, half mile bullet, uh, 46 and four fifth seconds, which is cooking pretty good he's one of those where i want to watch the work tab mm-hmm. um he's a ghost zapper colt uh, out of a straight smart strike mare and he could be waking up so just watch his work tab and if uh he he, he looks he looks like he's ready to, to to wake up and move forward he might be a sneaky one to use underneath to include your two-year-old champ storm the court he was the breeders cup juvenile winner but in 2020, he was fourth in the San Vicente. So we can give him an excuse for that. He needed the race. He was third in the San Felipe. He was actually okay that day. He was behind Authentic and Honor AP. And then in, he was in the Arkansas Derby. He was sixth. I was even willing to make an excuse for him that day. The, the Ohio Derby one, though, to me, there were just no excuses that day when he was third. He was really classier and as good as anyone in that field. And he just, I don't know if he really wants to go by. He's kind of a grinder. And he he was able to get the nose down in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and that's kind of why we know him. He actually didn't run poorly on the grass when they tried the turf last time out. He was second in in the La Jolla behind a sharp horse. I think the connections have actually said they may actually take a shot here in the Derby. They feel like he can can go long, but we've seen some of these two year olds that just didn't really progress. And he seen he feels like he's one of them. He's another horse who I have on a fantasy league. I don't. I would love for him to win. I, I don't <laughs> mind when he picks up checks and picks up minor rewards in these stakes races, but. He just he hasn't given me like warm and fuzzy feelings really all year long. No, he's like a popular child actor who still gets acting roles. <laughs> That's based such a good pace. comparison, Macaulay Culkin or something. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, I agree. I agree. I mean, he really has not shown any <laughs> improvement at all as a three-year-old. And uh, you know, congratulations on him winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I just don't want anything to do with him here. No, that was great. That made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> number eighteen attachment rate. He was able to get in with with his you know second in the uh, Ellis Park Derby where he was you know wide all the way around and then he loomed up but then AC Slater art collector was able to just put him away and kick on that day so attachment rate who had had been sort of highly regarded you know third in the Gotham fourth in the Matt Win fifth in the Bluegrass and then he, he he ran well in Ellis Park Derby 
He is a horse who, you know, at a big price, I can see underneath. I just, I can't, you know, if I'm playing a, a, with Tizala or maybe on her AP on top and I'm tossing, you know, some of the next second, third, fourth choices and I'm using bombs, I could use him in here. I just, I mean, I, I would prefer him over a horse like Storm the Court. I think there's a little more upside with him. I just, I'm not in love with him. I like others more. First of all, I got your Save by the Bell reference. That was very nice. <laughs> I like how you snuck that in there. And uh, we all knew that Dale Romans would have a 2020 Derby ru- Derby runner this year, didn't we? We just <laughs> thought it was going to be Dennis Moment. But it, it's maiden winner attachment rate who finished a game second to Art Collector in the Ellis Park Derby, which I cannot believe we're talking about as a Kentucky Derby, Derby prep. prep race. <laughs> I, I just don't think he's fast enough. Yeah. Uh, the other times he's running graded stakes races he's finished third fourth and fifth and i just i, I don't want anything to do with him here number 19 is a new door um who they've said now is not going to run he was second in the breeders cup juvenile second in low self maturity but he was just like storm the court they were yeah. one two in the breeders cup juvenile a new door was ninth in the risen star this year fourth in the sanity derby fourth in the arkansas derby eighth in the ellis derby they're going to give him some time off number 20 is soul volante he is your Sam F. Davis winner And he's had sort of a weird um, Pattern when you look So he wins the Sam F. Davis He comes back and he's second in the Tampa Bay Derby And then he runs in that Gulfstream allowance race Which was like a stakes race Because there was nothing else going on at the time They just needed to to have a, a race for horses to run He was against Ete Indian And a couple other uh, legitimate horses in there And he won that race And he came back 10 days later in the Belmont He was kind of a hot buzzy horse Because he feels like he can run all day And he just it was very flat. He was sixth. He worked July the thirty first. He worked August the ninth. He is another one of those horses who it's like you forgot about. He's like King Guillermo. It's like man, this guy doesn't feel like he's been around for forever. Yeah. So if you notice that work that he did at Paul Meadows Training Center on August 9th, that was a one mile work. Yeah. So he went. He went eight furlongs. Um, a return to form, or even a forward move from his Sam Davis win, or even the allowance victory that he had over Shivery and Ete Indian. Could put this uh, Caraconte gelding in as a sneaky, sneaky choice to use underneath. Yeah. And I want you to keep an eye on that work tab. And I, I'm, I'm letting it be known right here, right now. This is the horse that I think is going to be the, the, the underdog, high odds darling that's going to really help with the trifecta. I think Sol Volante hits the board in the Kentucky. There's Kentucky. always one of them, right? There's always yep. that late running horse, and it, and it, yep. it very. I really like that Gulfstream allowance win It felt like it wasn't the conditions That he wants and he still was able To win that race at Gulfstream And then he was a little flat coming back quickly So I'm fine with it I, I, I'm okay with using him I really I like him a lot more than, than many others in here He will be on a lot of my tickets Especially in the 2-3-4 spots For sure uh, A lot of folks will be rooting for the one-eyed Finnick the Fierce <laughs> who They've said that he will run He was 4th in the Lecomte, 2nd in the Jockey Club So he's run well at Churchill, 7th in the Risen Star 3rd in the Arkansas Derby He was 7th in the Bluegrass Um but he, you know, he he's a big he's a big price. I think this is uh, a horse who they feel like, hey, you know what? If we get the chance to get in, it's the Derby. Wouldn't it be great if we could hit the board? If Ray Hernandez knows how to do a rain dance, I highly suggest he does it about a day before the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. Hopefully after the Oaks. Hopefully after the Oaks, because we don't want to have a sloppy Oaks. But hopefully, in his case, he gets it because if there's a sloppy track at Churchill Downs and this horse is in this race, there's a good chance he hits the board. Other than that, I don't think he's a contender at all. 
So we're past top number 20 So just going to quickly go through the horses Who are on the outside of the top 20 Because they're actually going to be sneaking into the, the, the top 20 now If they want to run One of them is Pneumatic And he's actually going to run this weekend On Saturday in the Pegasus a first or a second would get him in But now knowing that everybody else is defected He's basically already in if he wants to go He was third in the Matt win Where he did have an excuse He and, and he actually ran pretty well He was fourth in the Belmont and he was a little bit wide He's still lightly raced He's still figuring things out He's not far behind that next tier of horses With some upside It just it would be kind of a lot to ask For him to run here Come back in a few weeks In a really really tough spot I I wouldn't mind him Going into the race If he came out of the maybe the Travers with a decent third I'm just not sure with this race In the middle if that's going to help or hurt him But you know he, he's going to be in now if they choose to run Well this Spacing is where the Arkansas Derby Normally fits you're right, you're right. three weeks it, before It feels quicker when you look but it's not It's really the same yeah you're right Um what do you, what are we going to do if he freaks? If he freaks in the Pegasus and, and wins going away and he puts up a big number, then he's going to have to jump up tremendously. But if he doesn't do well and he still gets in, what do you do? I mean, it, it's really, really important to see how he does on Saturday mm-hmm. before you determine what you want to do. Luckily, we've got a long time before the Derby actually goes off. But he's a wild card. To me, the two biggest wild cards are Pneumatic and King Guillermo. Yeah, no, I, I can I can totally see him being a, a wild card in here. I'm not, I I don't dislike him. I, I need to be I need to see a little more from him, and it, and it would and with a big effort this weekend, even in a small field against a short field with a horse like this, I'm not concerned about his his talent. It's just I think there's going to be a ton of talent whenever he eventually peaks. It's just when is he going to get there? Right. Is he there yet? He might be a great horse when he gets older. You know, in, in next year or when he gets he's able to fill out and get a little bit bigger. So he, yeah, he he's got some ability. It's just I'm not sure if this will be the right time. Let's watch that race this weekend. Uh, Jesus's team is going to also be in that race um, in the uh, the Pegasus. He's got ten points. He's number twenty nine on the list. And so I mean, he's pretty much in if he wants to run two. And especially if he wins, he would have thirty points. Or if he ran second, he would you know have eighteen with the uh, the eight for finishing second. But he's you know I, he would. Be one of the probably the longest shot in the entire field if he were able to get in, and um, and just some notes on some of the other horses. Number twenty three was Dean Martini. They've said he won't run. That was your Ohio Derby winner, sixth in the Ellis Park Derby. Shared since they are not sure if he runs. He was the Indiana Derby winner. He was fifth in, in the Ellis Derby. He he didn't really have a very good ride. He was way too far back, and he just had no shot with that kind right. of trip. He, you know, he's still. Seems he would be a big long shot in here And then Uncle Chuck he was the hot dirt, uh, The hot Travers horse I mean But he just didn't run he really didn't run Well at all he he was no match for For Tis the Law when he loomed up and he just You know flattened out they are not expected To run him Ryan that was your low South Derby winner so now I mean We don't we're not looking to get South Bend they said he won't run We but the connections of Necker Island have said he is in Consideration he's number 28 on the list But again with all these defections he's going to be Into the top 20 he was third in the Indiana Derby third in the Ellis Park Derby So we're getting to the point Ryan where there were Three horses mentioned in some articles That have zero points happy Saver money move and Sheryl Spate were horses that connections Have maybe Considered running in, in what they see happens in the next few weeks With the field because hey, even if you don't think You're good enough to beat Tis the Law If this field ends up being like a field of 10 or 12 and you think you got a horse That can hit the board in the derby you might Take a swing Yeah I mean Atfield's going to bring Cheryl Spite I, I'm pretty sure that yeah, right? yeah. 
pretty sure yeah. it had a nice work this morning. Uh, was it 47 flat? Yep. For half? Yep. Yeah. So right I, now, this is what we're looking at. We are looking at a field that has Tis the Law, Authentic, Art Collector, Honor AP, New York Traffic, King Guillermo, Thousand Words, Dr. Post, Max Player, Caracaro, Enforceable, Major Fed, Attachment Rate, Soul Volante, Finnick the Fierce, and Necker Island. That's 16. Yeah. And that is, those are the connections of the horses that they've said we are for sure going to run in the Derby. There are a couple other question marks, but, you know, we're right, right now, I would, we are not getting 20. Right, we're, exactly. we're not. And I would bet we're getting closer to 10 than 20. Even. <laughs> I would be shocked if, you know, maybe, and, and it's unfortunate, we're still three weeks away. Three plus weeks away when we're recording this One or two of these horses will probably have Some sort of an issue training, it's just inevitable You know, they're horses, they're not machines, something leading up Some small issue, maybe they're not Completely cranked a few days before they end up Scratching, this could be a very, very small Field, and we're gonna have The the heaviest favorite we've had in a long time But he He is a good, good horse He really is, I would have loved to see Him in this race with Nadal With Charlatan, with Maxfield, but you know what That's not his fault he can't control that, and and we can't knock him for for just beating who he has to beat on the track each and every time. The Derby is good when there's a big favorite. I, I think it's fun when it's wide open, but it's more fun. It's more fun from a you know a popular standpoint because are you going to beat the favorite? Are you going to bet the favorite? How is this going to happen? How are you going to approach everything? It's a talking point, and 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 when people know the horse, and we know tis the law. He's been around now for about a year, and he's been very very dominant. Correct. I mean, there's there's really really nothing I can add add to that. I mean, I, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, it it it's cool. So I mean, we have some quality three year olds. It's just going to be a completely different year this year, Ryan. And we know, you know, as racing fans, as sports fans, I think we've, you know, I, I'm at the point this year where I'm not really going to complain about differences in schedules, things being different. I'm. I, it was cool to get to Belmont. It was cool to get the Travers. I'm glad we've had a summer where we've had. Saratoga and Del Mar. Hey, we got a great weekend coming up at Woodbine this weekend. So for for in a year where a lot of other sports, a lot of other industries, companies have had to look what we just saw with college football, completely drastically cancel, postpone, delay everything. Horse racing has been pretty sort of lucky in, in that sense. Yeah, it, it has been. I mean, if you look at all the the handle numbers, for the most part, they're up everywhere and, and up a lot. And there's been a lot of uh, horse racing on TV channels and stations that, that aren't normally on. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have, you know, baseball's back and hockey's in the playoffs and NBA's in the playoffs. And But still, there's still plenty of racing to be seen. So I'm, I'm excited about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see the Derby in September. It, it's better to have a September Derby than no Derby. 100% man as a, as a college basketball fan I would love March Madness in September If there was a way I, I would just and Anything for me is more So um, Ryan awesome I always love talking Racing with you appreciate it Give us your plugs out there let the folks know where can we follow You along on social media uh, You can follow me at Twitter at rdicky249 And thank Ryan. you very much for having me I appreciate it it's always fun talking with you Awesome Ryan Dickey you are the man Appreciate it you have a, a great weekend buddy And uh, we'll link back up and we'll, we'll talk more racing soon Okay thanks a lot Folks, don't you go anywhere. We're going to take a break. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors. We'll be right back with plenty. A big thank you to Ryan. Uh, a big thank you to 
Everyone, we had a really fun show. We had Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles. Make sure to to follow along with Sarah Candles and uh, help him out, help me out, help everybody out, and we'll help you out, giving you the uh, the ten percent off when you use the promo code Gino. Um, we talked with Scott Shapiro. We talked about uh, Saratoga Saturday. We talked with Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ. We talked all about uh, Woodbine Saturday, and then all about the the Derby field. Who's going to run? Who's not? Some big early thoughts on horses that we like, or maybe horses that we'll be playing against. Ryan Dickey was awesome, so I had a, a blast on this show. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, share it around with your friends, and pay attention because the schedule is going to be a little bit different this next week because. The NBA starting on Monday I want to have a full preview of the opening round All of the series that comes out Before the the playoffs start on Monday So look for that It'll depend on what happens in the Saturday play-in game And Sunday I'm, I'm aiming to have this episode come out sometime on Sunday And it will talk NBA preview We'll talk SummerSlam 89 I've got an old wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali that we just recorded the other day and, and I'll uh, I'll put that on the show. I'm going to recap Hard Knocks, the episode on HBO. We had episode 1 the other day, recap that and I think we're going to have some early week racing, probably some Monday and Tuesday racing. We'll find, we'll look around, see what jumps out at me and uh, and where we can we can make a little money there. So thanks again folks. Uh good luck this weekend and we're Getting in a sports wise Back to I don't want to speak too soon But back to a little bit of normalcy Now these shows are so much to discuss In the world of sports Where you've got baseball games every day Basketball playoffs now starting NHL, I haven't covered a whole lot of NHL Because I'm I'm not really as much of an expert But I, I'm thinking about bringing someone in Soon to talk a little bit more about that And uh, you know we'll continue on always With horse racing, we're going to have a wrestling SummerSlam is going to be next weekend coming up We'll have a preview for that I am really really happy To be watching the Dodgers and, and Lakers And Keep our fingers crossed. Everybody stays safe out there. Thanks, folks. Have a great, great weekend.